Judah and Matthew are dumpster people, and they occasionally use foul and inappropriate language. Listen at your own risk. Welcome to Brother Date, everything edition. We gotta come up with a. Maybe I should just stop the edition part because it's, every, I don't it's all in one. I'm Matthew. I'm Judah. Uh, again, is that your Mark Twain voice? No. If so, you're coming in. You're coming in like an episode early with it. <laughs> just an episode, though. We're very close. Yeah, we're right up on it. What some people call the true series finale. Time zero. <laughs> Uh, you have now heard the Bananas for Bonanza episode, Enter Mark Twain. Yes, I have. About Mark Mark Twain's time in Nevada. Yes, that was a good episode, though I was distracted by the by the incredible lag between some of the co-hosts. Yes. Because it was like the first one they did in pandemic <laughs> times, and, they, and it's very, it disrupts a lot of the jokes. Um. I think it really, it takes the skill of a seasoned improviser to remember after every time you hint about finding out who this Samuel Clements character is to say that the name of the episode is Enter Mark Twain. <laughs> yep. It is very good. Like, I might think to do it once or twice, but definitely I wouldn't do it every single time the way Andy Daly does. <laughs> well, he's got to remember a lot of stuff he has to repeat anyway, the titles of the books, and uh, he's got to remember to throw in all the stuff about uh, werewolves and mummies and monsters and stuff. He's so fucking bad with tech, so I'm not surprised that there's lag. He's so lousy with technology. <laughs> um, bo- uh, bonus Nanas for Bonus Nanza episode 40 came out today, mm-hmm. and he had live streamed it. Okay, l- last week. It's a recording of a live stream, sure. and apparently, people who tuned into the live stream got one minute of audio and no video at any point for the entire <laughs> 50 minute recording, <laughs> and. It's all the episode is about is he can't figure out how to make this technology work <laughs> and he and they took him about thirty minutes to figure out that the people were not seeing it. Awesome. Yeah, that's great. <clears throat> um speaking of which it, it takes a lot it like something has to be a, a a certain level of like cultural touchstone or um you know, sort of monolithic culture event for it to penetrate my Twitter feed the way the Love is Blind season finale live event not going off well on Netflix penetrated my my Twitter feed. Oh, yeah. You know, the only thing I knew about that was uh, I saw a post nominally from the Twitter engineer, from a Twitter engineer responsible for that. Oh, really? <laughs> uh, no, sorry, for a, uh, Netflix? A Netflix engineer. Yeah. Um, uh, Marjan watches it and our mother watches it. So I already knew there was going to be a live show because I have to walk out of the room every time it's on or they talk about it. Um, but then it led to like 25 Twitter comments in a row from all different people. And I don't follow, um, look, it's all the uh, sports or um, or Star Trek. No, or... it's basically UniWatch, right? That's the thing you follow. <laughs> a ton of UniWatch tweets for sure. 
So for that to be blowing up, I was like, oh, man, that means so many people are watching that fucking piece of shit or trying to watch it. I have absolutely zero exposure to the show Love is Blind. That's, you, does Katie watch the trash shows? Because I'm surprised. No. that. Okay, there you go. Then. Katie will. Uh, Katie might swing back on a trash show five years after it ends, but she will not watch anything that's like fucking week to week. Okay. The literal, the only exception, I would say, in the last uh, 10 years is that she we do have to watch Ted Lasso on Tuesday night. Okay. All right. So you're all caught up on that then. Yeah, we're all caught up on Ted Lasso. Yeah, so am I. Um, yeah, I think the first few Love is Blinds all, were just all released at once, and then they saw the gargantuan numbers they were getting, and then they're like, well, we got to make it an event. And then they started releasing it like a piece at a time. And then they had this live event, which I'm sure was just to get some advertising dollars or something. And uh, apparently it did not work. They just couldn't get it. Yeah, it seems like it go. didn't scale. Like, uh, way more people tried to watch it than they thought would. Yeah. And it just burned their whole shit down. So that's always funny. It's uh, you're supposed to be a <clears throat> a big digital programming network, but you couldn't figure that one out. Anyway, this is a Star oh, Trek pod, right? I mean, nominally, yeah. I mean, the thing we are, the, most of the show, no matter how long we do this bullshit at the start, most of this thing is going to be about Star Trek. Okay. <laughs> There's just no avoiding it. But it seemed like maybe we were trying to, so I just wanted yeah, to yeah. Gra- ground the show again in what it's all about, um, which is um, uh, therapy. And, yes. <laughs> uh, maybe, uh, maybe I'll tell some stories about the baby. What's the premise of Love is Blind? Which episode of Star Trek is it most like? Oh, this is actually a good... Okay, this is a good one. Well, the, no one's allowed to see each other. Uh, they like sit in pods and then they only hear each other's voice and then they have to, uh, they like have to get married or they go to jail. Okay. I think All I'm right. trying to figure out what the motivation is for anyone to, uh, agree to get married to someone. In <laughs> Cause otherwise situation. you can't, you can't figure out a reason why they would no, say, yeah, let's but they do all do it. So I, uh, I think there must be some pretty severe punishment if they go out of the pods without without proposing marriage to somebody um i mean people definitely act like you basically got to get married in this life but i know some people who i have have never as far as i know been close to getting married and honestly they seem just as happy as anyone else yeah there's some associated trash out there there's like a show called uh the ultimatum that's probably also netflix i think and marjan tried to watch that i think that was even too trashy for her but but it was like uh one of the people in the relationship uh demands that they get married or something. And I just kept going back to like, why everyone, why is everyone trying to get married so hard? Just like, <laughs> it's not that big a deal. But I, I think secretly, you probably do go to prison. That's probably what it is. It just keep coming back to it. It's the only thing that makes sense. They're not doing hard time for this, for not getting married. It should be like every time there's a story like uh, this weekend about the guy who uh, was eaten alive by bugs in a psychiatric facility in Georgia or whatever. Mm-hmm. Does it like, uh, well, marriage rates just went up a little bit. Again. That's right. People, People are, are like, I'm not, not going to chance. No, I'm not going to risk it. It's only a matter of time before they get caught not being married and they're our, not going to fucking play around like that. Our prison systems are not succeeding. No. And I, I can't take, I, I would rather be married, I guess. Yes, the privatization to of prison. To a random stranger from a pod or whatever. <laughs> you did not answer, uh, oh, which and Star I do Trek appreciate the like? analysis, which Star Trek episode do you think it's uh, most like? Uh, Allegiance. 
allegiance. Okay? Uh, you just put a bunch of people into like a crazy situation, and they gotta work together uh, to get out. And also, uh, one of them's a mole. One of these people gotta be a mole, right? Oh, you figure there's a mole in there's there? There's gotta huh? be a mole in there. Yeah, but they stopped calling the show the mole. No, that was a different show. <laughs> now people probably have like can get a text message or something or on the Discord. And they're like, hey, I, I think you might be in a show called The Mole that's in production right now. <laughs> that's right. You can't do that Just one. based on some stuff that I saw. Yeah, there's probably a mole in there trying to entrap people into not getting married, so they got to go to jail, would be my guess. Okay, so it's not more like Aquiel Ooh. or Pen Pals or Did they that have one to get the married doctor fell in love with that other hologram. Oof, yeah. And that's where we got his name, Schmollis. Yeah. I'm just thinking of like some options for someone meets someone and falls in love, but okay. they don't. They don't, don't really, really know them. nothing about them. Yeah, uh, uh, Haven. Is it like more like the perfect mate? It sounds like these people are all in eggs, big eggs. The guy, the kind of do sitting eggs that hover uh, in the air, and you got to pile up some junk to stand up and take your really close up scan. Your scan that is only good from twelve inches. <laughs> Any more than that, it's not accurate. I would love to see like a failed. A, a pilot version episode of a failed show where it's like the gimmick is that the people are going to be sitting in these egg pods, but the egg pods are like hovering on a jet of air, like hovercraft technology or uh -huh, something. Uh, -huh. uh, anyway, they're going to, you know, they're going to talk to each other and fall in love or whatever. But then it's like the show just didn't work because everyone was like way too disoriented by rolling around inside these pods. <laughs> they just couldn't get upright at and times. It's just like, uh, there's actually z there's z just zero romantic momentum you made the weird gimmick is just too compelling yeah and, i'm sure there's uh, so, been lots of shows like that where the gimmick itself ended up ruining i guess show. i'm basically thinking of the 30 rock gag gold case where <laughs> just everyone guesses which case has the gold in it because it turns out gold's real heavy yeah yeah that's uh it's a good throwaway from that one um I just kept expecting that Ferengi to, like, stick one of those food thermometers <laughs> into the egg or something. Like, for some reason, he had to get up he close and personal He needed to know if it was it. warm in the egg. It's, you know. It's very... It's crazy. I mean, they already knew what a... was in it, right? Or did they not? I don't know. You think he thought it was a real egg and when it just kind of shimmered and disappeared and a perfectly dry woman was on the ground? <laughs> That's true. She wasn't even moist like, a little. Huh. It was confusing. Huh, I guess so it really was not very much like an egg. No. It was just kind of egg-shaped. She didn't, and she never said what it was like in there. And no one asked her. Honestly, that was fucking weird. No one said to hey. her when she came out of the egg. Riker didn't look down at her and go, "What was it like in that egg?" No, Nothing. no one was interested. No, in yeah, that. no interest, even a little, from anybody. Hey, uh, now that I've got you alone in your quarters, what was it like in that egg? <laughs> Tell me a little bit more okay. about that egg. Is it, should I get an egg? Could should I get I, an egg? Should I put a hologram, a hologram, a holodeck program out there that's just you sit in that egg? It was like really yeah. nice and peaceful in there. I, I'm kind of. I know I'm the I'm the first officer, but I'm also kind of the morale officer on the ship. So, would an you think an egg holodeck program would be popular? The computer told me the other day, and I couldn't believe it, but it told me the other day that I've created 31 percent of all Starfleet holodeck <laughs> programs. I don't know how it's possible, but I guess it's true. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Grog, I, the egg was a metaphor. <laughs> it's not a real egg. It wasn't an egg. She's supposed to be like, uh, I don't know, being born again or something into a into uh, a marriage, I get, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Hey, Grog, yeah, you can put the thermometer away, man. They caught us. It's over. It's like good. That's all right. We'll take we'll a run at that old man later. It'll we'll be all right. We'll do the standard bribe attempt later, but uh, I don't think it's going to work. <laughs> it doesn't work. We throw them over the table. We're good to go. Once you find out that the egg's a metaphor, the whole thing's kind of shot anyway. <laughs> yeah, I don't really care anymore, honestly. 
Do you want to do a mailbag? Yeah, right. Mailbag by Brother Dave. Uh, okay, so, I mean. Memes. I have a tough one this week because Ryan sent two memes. <laughs> they were, and... They're both They're both from the episode with Captain Dave on our boy. Yes, they're, <laughs> they're both from the episode Darmok. So I guess it's been on his mind. Yeah. Um, but it's the he's got the um, American Chopper meme. Was that the name of that show? Yeah, the uh, the old guy with the Fu Manchu. Or what, I don't know what you call that. What do you call that thing? I'm gonna say Lucky Horseshoe. The Lucky Horseshoe is yelling at the the other guy. I never seen the show. He's the yelling guy who at looks the other like guy. one of the uh, third Giambi brother. Yeah, right. I've seen this meme before for sure. Yeah. So this is the meme where they're arguing. Yeah. Uh, but it's um, <sighs> old guy says. Darmok and Jalad at Tanagra. Darmok and Jalad on the ocean. The beast at Tanagra. Temba, his arms open. And then the Giambi guy says... What the fuck is that even supposed to mean? Then the old guy says, Temba at rest. Zinda, his face black, his eyes red. Kyasi's children, their faces wet. And then the younger guy says, that makes no sense, and throws a chair. And then the old guy stands up and he points in his face and he says, Shaka, when the walls fell. You guys get it. Is that fun? In fact, let's get to do A plot, A plot, B plot, and just skip the thing that you posted and read his other meme next. Okay, so, go for it. This is from Terminator. <laughs> He's talking uh, to the little guy, the kid. Uh, yeah, the little guy. Furlong. <clears throat> yeah, and he says to him... Yeah, do the accent. I, can, I just can't decide whether I should try the accent Do the accent. <laughs> Does your mom like DNG? <laughs> it sounded like Skyrim. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's unfortunate. I'm now one of the guards in Skyrim. Yeah, curved swords and all that. Uh, and the kid says, yeah, why? And then he says, into Demba, the, into his the arms phone. wide. He's, he's, he says it into the phone to the mom. Yeah. And the mom just says, what? Yeah, and then he says, your foster parents are dead. Because <laughs> she didn't get it. She didn't, she didn't she respond didn't. to the great TNG thing. So that's not it's not really her. Look, if uh, if somebody tried to talk to me in Tamarian, mm. I think I would just say the River Tamark in winter, and yes. that's it. <laughs> just like, say that over and over again. <laughs> uh, I would go like this. Uh, once there was a cool hero and a nasty old wild man, and that's you. You're the nasty old wild <laughs> man. And, uh, oh, good, you're nodding. You like this story. Good, good, good. Uh, anyway, so my guy, the cool guy, he was like a cool hero. And your guy wasn't, he smelled like turds. The turd-smelling guy is you. And, uh, they, uh, had a big fight, I guess? I don't know. And uh, the point here is that you smell, and you, I'm gonna go to my own campfire again. Because you look like you're dying. <laughs> exactly. Um... We did not shower the episode Darmok in points, did we? Um, well, it has a lot of problems. For yeah, sure. Yeah, 31. 31's not amazing. It has many, I gave it 15, you gave it 16. Many, many problems with the execution in particular of the episode, but I'm not sure if... Did we even find a good good takes? What were the take scores on that? Uh, we both gave it six for okay. takes. So the, ta- the take wasn't the problem. No. It's just that it... I mean, look, no uh, world building and characterization's very poor because the characters all act very stupid. <laughs> They're all very dumb that week, and I also only gave it a four in execution. I think I was pretty mad by that one. Yeah. About that one. So, yeah, we didn't shower Darmok with points. Um, look, sometimes the big episodes 
the big ones that everyone remembers and loves don't hit all four quadrants. Yeah. Uh, that might, there might be some of that this week. <laughs> bear that in mind for this week. Just scoring. bear Listen, maybe we're going to eventually, at some point in here, we're going to talk about a very beloved episode mm-hmm. that was quite touching and good to watch, but yeah, it I wasn't had... really about our characters and <laughs> also did zero world building. I had three major flaws with the episode you're talking about that we will get into. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> Uh, you know, they may not, the rubric is not set up to reward some episodes. No, I mean, even The Defector, which we both claim is the best episode, it's not like it has the best score or anything. It got a good score. But there were some things about it, you know? Tomalock's a little bit like a Bond villain in it at times. I mean, we gave it 49 points. Yeah, it's a very good score. But I'm just saying, like, it wasn't wasn't perfect for the rubric. And we both gave it dead fives on premise, like... Yeah, it wasn't about that much. It's like, oh, uh, you know... Uh, what is loyalty and also um, what is it one man's hero boy that you landed Matt in a three week span where you issued a nine on take in each of the three weeks damn I haven't done that in a long time <laughs> past tense part one uh, that's a that's a deep space night episode that the one where they went to the, the hobo district might be the one where they went to the hobo district because it's part one of a part two. Okay. Past tense part two, also a nine. Holy shit. I guess it was about how we got to tackle this homeless problem or something. And there's an Enterprise episode called The Shipment that you gave a nine and I gave a four in take. <laughs> Otherwise, we were pretty close on the scores yeah. on that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, Huh. That was a good week, man. Yeah, that week rocked. The Paradise Syndrome kind of really let it down, though. Honestly, I don't remember which one that is. The Paradise Syndrome. Is that the one where they get jizzed by the flowers? Might be the one where they get jizzed on by the flowers. Or was that one too early? Maybe it's the... uh, Is that the one with the hippies? I don't fucking know. Uh, No, the hippies is fucking with the the next way to eat and whatever. Oh, God. Paradise Syndrome is the one where Kirk becomes an Indian. (laughs) He's Kirok. He becomes Kirok. Oh, God. Uh, by the way, we still gave that 28 points. I can't so. believe that I didn't remember the name of the episode where he becomes <laughs> Kirok. It's everything. Yeah. Uh, like the magic passphrase, Kirk to Enterprise opened that obelisk, so. <laughs> and yet, out of frustration before he knew that part, he shouted, I am Kirok, over and over again. Like that meant something. Man, if that was a video game and you were like... You're you're playing as Spock, right? Mm-hmm. And it's it's one of those. It's not quite a cutscenes. Like you still have uh, free movement. Is this a micro prose video game? This is definitely a situation where Kirk would have gone up there and started shouting. Uh, Kirk and said would have said Kirk to Enterprise, and I would have been like fucking looking around, like trying to figure out what the next thing like <laughs> or is we could get dropships or something now. Yeah. And then I'd look back, and the character of Kirk was gone, and I would not be able to figure out what to do next no you'd look around for like 30 minutes you'd be like wait what the fuck what am i supposed to fucking do now (laughs) what happened to kirk where'd he go yeah i think the game glitched and kirk i didn't watch the i didn't watch the scene (laughs) so i i'm not i forgot i didn't notice that he's now underground 35 minutes later you find the open i don't know how to get underground (laughs) and i don't know there is an underground because i wasn't paying attention (laughs) that's right and it's just, just a little fucking thing up in the corner that says, find Kirk. And I'm like, ah, uh, I guess I'll run <laughs> around like, all around this map until I hit the skybox. It says, follow Kirk. And you're like, oh, uh, follow him where? Yeah, well, the reason I asked if it was a micro prose game, because then it, you know, 
it wouldn't really matter whether you watched a scene or not. You, you wouldn't be able to figure it out. <laughs> I don't know why they made those games like that. It's a good question. <clears throat> uh, you stuffed the mailbag. Yeah, my philosophy this week was just find some good tweets. Just solid Twitter tweets. Yeah, just like uh, skim the very last of the cream off of the top of the souring milk that yes, is Twitter. before it disappears forever. I will have retweeted these one more time. <laughs> Uh, the first one you tweeted is from live-action Cartman movie okay. at Necrobranson. Well, the and rest of the tweet's better than just his uh, name. It is. Should I read... When I read this one, should I read the uh, stage directions? Yes, you should. All right. For sure. So this says uh, French DJ voice, and I don't know what French DJs sound like. Okay. But uh, then it says, I just want to say to all ugly and dumb people, <laughs> stupids... <laughs> I just want to say to you that you are beautiful. And then it says beat kicks in. <laughs> it's the perfect tweet because that's a DJ trying to be sensitive. Yep. That's what he came up with. Yep. Yeah, I saw two different people retweet that within a span of a week. <laughs> and then like a week went by and I couldn't get it out of my head. So I had to just been thinking about to all clean and dumb people. Stupid. <laughs> I want to say you are beautiful. <laughs> Uh, you retweeted Sean O'Connor, who says, My worst nightmare is being at a baseball game, and one of the broadcasts films me eating nachos for an entire inning, and the announcer says something like, Look at him go! <laughs> I do always uh, feel feels bad like for a... the people who are shown eating, like just devouring like a big old fucking foot-long hot dog or something. That, uh, that is not my worst nightmare because it feels too credibly like a thing that could happen. Yeah, you better not make it your worst nightmare. It could you happen know, like exactly. Next week. Exactly. Like, well, look, I can make it my worst nightmare as long as I never go to a baseball game again. <laughs> and then you say when someone invites you, oh, I got tickets. You want to go? You'd be like, look, man, I can't. I have crippling fear of baseball games. <laughs> but also, nachos can be a messy food. That's true. And my oh, and the beard philosophy on messy foods is. Uh, pick it up once right katie could tell you this if, if you ever see me eat a messy sandwich or hamburger i pick it up once and i don't put it down until oh, it's gone fuck i'm exactly the same way it must be a brother thing hey everyone like, the name uh, of the show is brother date this is gonna make my hand messy yep. and if i have to do it 15 times you know every time i put it down i'm gonna wipe my hand on a napkin or something and yes. then that napkin's gonna look like i just attended a birth yeah and at I, the end i actually get annoyed when there's some something that causes me to have to put it down Right. I'm like, oh, fucking A. Yeah, so I will commonly just, uh, like, if I get a sandwich or something somewhere and it's messy, I will just hold it in my left hand the entire time that I eat it. See, I thought you were going to say, like, nacho, not put that down. nacho cheese in the stash or something. I mean, well, that well, that's guaranteed to happen. <laughs> but, but it's another reason to eat it all in one go so that you're not, like, you can't be like, oh, I'm going to come back to this later, but now I'm going to have to clean some cheese out of my mustache in the meantime, and then I'm just going to put more cheese back in there. It's amazing how the human brain works, because when you started that sentence, <laughs> so many thoughts went into my head. One, I thought you were going to say nacho cheese in the mustache, but then I <clears throat> couldn't wait to get my turn to say this. Uh, yeah, man, uh, you take something messy like that, and like a Mandalorian, you have to go off in private and eat it by yourself. So that no one can right. see you with your helmet off or whatever. But in this case, it's you eating messy food. Yeah. So this is the way. So my point is um, that if I'm at a, if I get nachos at a baseball game, I am eating them in one inning. I'm just eating them until they're done because it's I'm gonna get nacho cheese. <laughs> so on there my is fingers. gonna be the announcer saying, uh -huh. "Look at him go." 
So an announcer, all they'd have to do is notice. And then they just said, then of course they'd say, look at him go. And then what am I going to do? Look up at the Jumbotron and go, I, if I put it down and then wipe my hands off, I'm just going to get cheese uh, on it. looks my like hands he's again. trying to, he's, I don't know, he's, he's trying to explain something. He must not know we can't hear I, him. I don't really read lips, but it looks like he's saying there's a system, there's a method. Uh, but I'm glad to know that that's, a, uh, that's somewhere in our DNA. Yeah, no, I've I, I was actually thinking about that like I don't know a week and a half ago. I was having a greasy ass hamburger. Yep, and the grease was leaking all over the place, and I was like, "Well, I guess I'm glued to this thing till it's done." <laughs> yep, just gotta eat it all because I don't want to clean my hands fifteen times. I got a drink and I got fries over here, but I'm not touching them not until this thing is gone. Yeah, that's not like a tip that our dad sat us down and gave no. us either. No, that's he didn't something draw we it out. developed independently. I guess. He wasn't like, this is the grease running down your arm, and (laughs) this is you saying, I just got to work through it, or anything like that. (laughs) Uh, You retweeted uh, Robot Degas at Wimbledon underscore champ, who wrote, on the weekends, I round up all the boys, and we go to my house, and we just start boiling shit. (laughs) This was in a extended conversation the internet was having some some rando tweeted something about how her boyfriend told her that every single interaction between two males carries at least the threat of violence and then she was asking (laughs) the internet if this was true and then everyone was showing videos of dudes just hanging out and being dudes together and stuff right uh, i saw like five different videos of uh, guys doing choreographed roller skate dancing together and um and then some people just started tweeting random shit about what all the boys do or whatever. Yeah. Um, I don't know if anyone in our audience needs to hear it. I don't I don't think that anyone needs to hear this necessarily. But uh, if there's a dude in your life and you feel like when you hang out with him, there's the threat that it could descend to violence, <laughs> you don't got to hang out with that That's guy. Right. Who's going to make you? You can always walk out. On uh, yeah. By the way, in every situation, ever. It's uh, not a You're not happy at your job. You could just walk out. Yeah. You fucking, Pretty much. Uh, the the guys are filming you while you're eating nachos at the baseball game. You could just walk out. You could always just walk out. So there's like a couple of situations in all of a life where if you don't do the thing, they can shoot you as a deserter or whatever. <laughs> but it's like, but even then, I'm just gonna say the choice is yours. It is still a choice you could make. Mm-hmm. You could just walk out. No one's stopping you. Yeah. So so. <laughs> but yeah, we just start boiling shit. Uh, yeah then a couple of clarence thomas jokes yeah a couple of clarence thomas jokes uh george is a verb tweeted uh yacht crewman says look over there a porpoise justice thomas says i'm gonna name him habeas habeas porpoise habeas porpoise (laughs) pretty good Mm -hmm. is it a better or worse name than the dolphin named matt no no i mean that they're separate they're they're very good jokes in different ways okay uh, and then, uh, <laughs> your buddy Bum Chillips. This is a Simpsons Probably the joke, person right? you have retweeted the single most. <laughs> yeah, I think that's probably true. To me, when I read this tweet, it sounds like something that would happen in The Simpsons. Well, because it says Big Tex as a start, which is not the name of the rich Texan. Sure. And there is a specific judge that I thought of from The <laughs> Simpsons. <laughs> uh, and he, it says Big Tex says, uh, what do you say to another round of Mai Tai, CT? And then uh, Thomas bangs gavel onto bar. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
You know, because he's getting all those impermissible benefits. Yeah, 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 for sure. Anyway. (sighs) You know, he accidentally reported that his wife had no income instead of almost $700,000 in income. (laughs) It was a mistake, a whoopsie that we've all made. Uh, Taxes are hard. Taxes are hard. They are very hard. uh, TurboTax this year was like, hey, man, I got an idea. Let's see if we can get this done in 40 minutes. Mm -hmm. Did you do 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 TurboTax? I did H&R Block. This is okay. good stuff. Everyone, please yeah. mastodon. Please toot at us. Toot. Ta- tax day was yesterday, so okay. Toot at us and tell us what tax platform you're yeah, using. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, when I fucking logged into TurboTax this year, it was like there's a fucking checkered flag icon came up, and it's like, let's see if we can get this done in 40 minutes. <laughs> Don't pressure me. Which is cool, uh, but then it only took me 11 minutes, because yeah. my taxes are the, the most normal, but, like, they wouldn't have let that one slip. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> no, they would have said, uh, uh, seems like maybe you're forgetting something. Let's ask again. Uh, let's review this information. Hey, hang on a minute. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. We preloaded the W-2. and yeah. um, We do actually have a um, W-2. <laughs> huh. Uh, are you sure? Do you want to proceed? Yeah, man. Uh, I don't know if you got fucked up on taxes this year, but uh, uh, no. I mean, I uh, it was not fun as always over here. Uh, you know, we got less money back than the year before. I think the uh, some Trump tax stuff has kicked in, so it's just like it's just a slightly worse every year. But we after our big bad fuck up where <laughs> uh, the government a lot of money. <laughs> And including a penalty for doing it so bad. Yeah, they said, uh, honestly, we weren't going to charge you that much, but you're so fucking stupid. We've that... had our our uh, t- our withholdings have been set extremely conservatively, so. Sure, sure, sure. Okay. Uh, it was a, we were not, uh, we weren't raked over the coals this year. Well, I'll just say, you know, that we got, we got to pay a lot of money, but compared <laughs> to other years, it wasn't necessarily that bad, and, uh. So I was like, yeah, all right, sure, I mean, why not? I've already spent, like, fucking um, fucking million dollars in the last six months. Why not take all my money, you fuckers? You <laughs> fucking assholes. You didn't you want know, it anyway. I spent $275 today to get a, uh outlet on our carport repaired. Does that sound like a right, the right amount of money? Uh, Did he just have to change the little box yeah, right out there? Yeah, pulled out the whole little box and put in a new box, and it's like $275, and I went, fuck mm. you! Mm. Fuck you, sir. So, I mean, I don't want to give anyone advice, but I bet you could have YouTubed it for one second. I could have. I could have. And replaced that that little outlet very easily. I thought about it afterward. I said I should have just fucking YouTubed it, but I got so many things. I got you guys. I'm I'm the only person in the world who owns a house and has a kid. I'm for sure that. And it's fucking crazy. What life is like for me. And no one will ever understand it, no matter how much I try to explain it. I'm sure the hardest part of doing that work would have been figuring out which circuit breaker controlled that outlet. Man, he didn't go. He didn't even go near the circuit breaker. I got it. Oh, he just did it live? He just, cool. He said, fuck it, we'll do it live. Fuck it, we'll do it live. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. He asked me if so anything else was hooked up to it. He asked me if anything else was hooked up to it. Like, he was worried something was going to explode or something. And I was like, nah, just the garage door and... And that outlet, you know, that doesn't work right now. So <clears throat> cool, yeah. So he he did it as quick as possible and still charge you two seventy five, huh? Yeah, I have fucking I wouldn't have been surprised if I'd blacked out and hit him or something. It was <laughs> insane what he said to uh, me. 
you're gonna uh, you're gonna walk back what just happened about not every male interaction results in violence or <laughs> the threat of violence. I mean, some definitely do. Like some do. But, do you have uh, like a? Nah, we should not discuss your home security arrangements. But do you have like a ring doorbell that could have caught that footage? So, well, I, I'm guessing. Am I going to see it on Reddit tomorrow? Just like the footage of those uh, the high school wrestler going to shake the other guy's hand and getting sucker punched. Yeah, it'll be yeah something like that. No, he made it safely back to. He was an old guy, uh, and he made yeah. it safely back to his truck after saying many casually, extremely racist things to our mother. Oh, fantastic. It's like he saw Did her she... and went, oh, an old person. She's going to get it. Check this out. Hey, I got hey, Mexicans. What's up with that? And it was like, uh-oh. <laughs> uh, Tennessee. Is, uh, here's here's 30 seconds of therapy. Did she sing her famous boat train song to him? No, she did not. <clears throat> uh, trash train. Trash train song. No, she didn't. She, she acted horrified as well. So Okay, cool. I mean, it was a real Tennessee interaction, for sure. Everything about it was... He was like a sleepy old guy in overalls. It was great. <laughs> she just had a she had a moment on our front porch a couple of years ago where she slipped up and uh, Katie and I gave her crazy looks and she was like, "Uh oh." <laughs> oh well, there have been many times I told her she can't say that anymore. You know, whatever <laughs> yeah. thing she said. You just go, "Hey, you you can't say that anymore. Don't say that." <laughs> Therapy's <laughs> over. Right. Therapy's over. Okay, mailbag's over. Mailbag is over. All right. Getting to the Are good you stuff. excited about what happens next? Yeah, I get to talk about Voyager, my favorite thing to do. By time spent, it's the thing I've done most in my life. So, uh, I mean, it's hard to think what else it could be. I think Sleep it's would watch be the Running only thing, Man. You have insomnia. So, yeah, I think it's Watch Running Man is number one still and probably will be forever, even though I haven't watched it in so long. And then two is talking about Voyager, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's time to do the Star Trek thing. Voyager finished last last week with the delightful episode, Alice. So this week we are going to start with riddles. Yeah, quick reminder that this show got 10 out of 80 last week. So <laughs> Ambassador's log. Tuvok sucks a fat Leola root. Neelix out. Tuvok won't play any fun games with Neelix on a shuttle trip back from fucking somewhere. Meeting with aliens called the mm-hmm. Kissot, I guess. They got to take the Delta Flyer, at least. Yeah, they didn't cramp them into one of their, one of the full complement of shuttles that they have. Uh, Neelix proposes a riddle. There's your episode title. The riddle sucks, and Tuvok goes to the back to get away from all words and sounds. But whoops, he gets zapped by something that cooks him good. Credits. Schmollis is barely able to save Tuvork, but he's in bad shape. Neelix feels guilty that he couldn't find out who zapped him. Um, oh, Neelix is morally certain that he was attacked, by the way. Yep. Which is odd because he didn't see it happen. Oh. And we barely saw anything. Nope. Yep. Uh, but he knows. Uh, he's uh, like that, though. He's got all the crazy guilt, so... He's he's sure that he could have stopped the terrible attack on Tuvok. Anyway, they go back to ask the Kassat, uh, who I guess they'd been talking to. And uh, the guy that they're talking to seems like a conspiracy theorist. And um, he thinks a shadow people called the Bonnet, Boneth? Boneth, yeah. That no one's ever seen and have rarely encountered in any way at all. 
uh, are responsible for the attack. Neelix is all bummed out about his buddy, Mr. Vulcan. Shmala says uh, he might provoke a response from Tuvok by sitting with him and chatting. This was a real 90s TV trope. Oh, the idea of talking to someone in a coma? Mm-hmm, and that that would help uh, bring them back or whatever. Uh, to the episode's credit, Shmalas tells him that might help in a way that made it seem like he that doesn't think it will. More for Neelix. Yeah, this is for Neelix's benefit. Sure. Uh, soon, Neelix has brought the Kalto game and some orchids and uh, a cl- clash on the fire planes. So a Vulcan book. He burns incense for him and plays those uh, those awful Vulcan chants that everybody hates. And We're I... told. I think this is the first time we ever heard him, right? Yeah, but I mean, you know, just listen to him. Uh, eventually, Tuvok wakes up, but he's not a thinking so good. And Neelix nope. has to, like, be his new dad? Kind of. They broke this story when someone in the writer's room said, Neelix becomes Tuvok's new dad. And then there were like slow claps and everybody stood up and carried the guy out on their shoulders, I think. Uh, the weird Cassatt investigator works with Janeway and Seven to find the Baneth and they eventually like make a cool after image of them so they can see what they look like and they have tentacles and shit. It don't matter. Um, Neelix takes Tuvok on a tour of the ship, but he's still just a big old baby bird. Or maybe a Grogu or something. Mm. Not clear what he is. Then Seven and company adapt this uh, this weirdo conspiracy theorist tech, and uh, they reveal a fleet of Beneath ships all around them. Yeah. And they're like... I don't know, they get attacked, and Tuvok's cowering with Neelix, and he's like, I love you, Neelix, you keep me safe and happy. I love you, Papa. But he can't remember that dang Beneath cloaking frequency that everybody needs uh, yeah. to find those guys. And he's bad at Kalto, and he has temper tantrums with Uncle Harry. <laughs> and he says stuff like, I'm not smart enough. Neelix goes to the mess hall, or Neelix's place, is what they should call it. And he finds Seven pondering the Beneath by herself. And she suggests that Neelix stop trying to restore Tuvok to his old self. And and just focus on what he can become now, that he's dumb. And so he goes to talk to Tuvok about all the things he can do now that he couldn't before. And soon, Tuvok's, like, having fun and helping in the kitchen. And everyone's happy. No one even says anything about replicator rations. That's how happy they are. That's why. <laughs> then Tuvok makes a cloaking frequency in the cake icing. Yeah. That he remembers seeing. Yeah. And this computer, man. This computer <laughs> is fucking aces. It somehow turns that into something, and they, they're able to find the Beneath again. It's a, a big old Beneath outpost, even. And uh, they negotiate with them, and the investigator, who's been hunting them forever, like trying to find them forever, Bigfoot style, even offers to give up all the cool tech he used to find them. Yeah, so that they can hide better now. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Neelix comes to tell Tuvok that Shmullis has analyzed the alien weapon, and now he uh, can treat Tuvok. But Tuvok is sad. It's a reverse flowers for Algernon. Tuvok says, I'll always love you, father. I'll always wish we could have been Tuvix forever. 
Then he gets in the doctor's big burrito bed, and he gets all better. But now that he's Tuvok, he's not fun anymore. Except he has a fun wordplay. And then he raises an eyebrow, and a literal fucking bell dings. I shit you not, a bell went ding! Like it was a Disney movie or something. (laughs) Fucking unbelievable. (laughs) And that's the episode. You sure it wasn't just that your fucking pizza rolls were done or something? <laughs> Wait, did you not hear the ding? I didn't catch it. I, I didn't write down that there was a ding. There was a ding when he fucking raised that eyebrow. I'd load Paramount Plus to check, yeah, but it might break that. my whole yeah, computer. Not while so. we're potting, please. <laughs> yeah. I'm not doing this again. It's just like maybe your toaster oven, you know, went off coincidentally and you were like can you believe this shit (laughs) every time i turn on the paramount app to watch one of these fuckers marjan gets annoyed with me because i'm enraged within 15 seconds (laughs) about how bad the app is and how nothing's working the way it should it's terrible and it does they fucking make you watch ads yep and the ads bleed into the show you got two audios going and you're like what the fuck are you guys doing and then marjan's mad at me also like i did it, it Am I crazy, or did they change the way captions work this week? <laughs> they oh, might you have. used the app. You didn't see it. On the desktop, they fucking changed. Instead of the weird pop-in in the wrong order style that they had been doing <laughs> that I thought they were very happy with, <laughs> now they're in the right order, but they fucking are in huge black bars that roll in from the bottom. It's so distracting. <laughs> nice. I looked away from what was happening in the episode 40 times to watch the caption roll in. <laughs> Yeah, I watch it. I watch it on the app where you have to remember to turn on the subtitles every fucking time, no matter what. <laughs> you have to go in and be like, "No, subtitles on," just like last time, idiots. Yo, who's working on that app? What is uh, happening? I don't know. I don't know. I thought maybe Twitter told you the way they told you about that Netflix engineer who was. I mean, it was Reddit that told me that, but okay. uh, I don't know if Paramount Plus. I don't know if someone who worked at Paramount Plus would admit that on Reddit, even with an anonymous username. Maybe only in the Am I the Asshole forum. Probably. Sub, subreddit. All right, man. What the fuck was this about? <sighs> okay. So here's what I eventually wrote. Losing one ability may give you the opportunity to cultivate others. Hmm. Now, what I mean by that is really like if you stop concentrating if you if you don't people feel trapped by the things that they're already good at like they have to keep doing that or advance along that path or whatever sure like i mean the problem with that is uh, what's tuvan good at but yes i hear what you're yeah, saying yeah right but that's the uh, underlying idea the problem is they There's another way to read this episode, which is about the sort of loss of faculties caused by age or disease or something like that. But they don't really get to a parallel there. Hmm. And then, of course, that's totally subverted because at the end they can uh, do television magic to fix him, right? 100%. Yeah. But I think the only thing that approached a lesson or a moral in this episode was that the idea that even if they can't get old Tuvok back... New Tuvok can become something. Like Yeah, man. He'll get bored of making cakes for him, you know? Yeah, he'll get bored of making cakes at some point and then right. see what else he can do. And so that's fine, but I don't think it's controversial in any way. Sure. Um I'm gonna give it as much as four. 
Okay. Because it's at least it's not execrable. Yeah. Uh, I had, uh, what, seven. Seven's great advice. When somebody has a terrible injury or whatever, rather than try to remake them as they were, help them realize what they can become. So we were in the same, the same zone. Yeah, uh, like if a guy, you know, <clears throat> blows out his knee too bad and he can't do football no more, well, he could probably get a shitty car dealership and sell Mazdas. That's right. Exactly correct. If he is famous yeah. enough, he can do, he can pull that off. And then I said, unless you can just lay in the big metal band-aid, the, the plot band-aid that the doctor keeps in sickbay, and then yeah. you can go back to normal 35 minutes later. Yeah. I gave it a five. Well, it's like, look, that was always going to happen, but... Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so it's hard to get mad at. That's the... What I was talking last week about the normal shit you have to eat to watch Star yes. Trek. There's a lot of that, for sure. There's a lot of it. And that's the normal shit, as opposed to the stuff in the next phase, which is mind-boggling. Yep. Yep, absolutely. Uh, wrapping around to execution. I said this made me upset. Uh, I guess it was a nice enough attempt to show a crew working hard to help a colleague who has a bad injury. But poor Tim Russ. It was a painful ride, man. Having to play a sad, confused little boy. I mean, he was playing a little boy, right? Is that, is that what we were seeing? I mean... Do you, I mean, don't you feel like that's the note he was given on how to play this? Yes. Even if it doesn't make a lot of specific sense about the nature of his injury. Yeah, his injury didn't, they didn't say it made him a little boy again, but that's exactly how he was acting. Yeah. Um, unbelievable that at no point did Neelix point out to anybody that they used to be two Vicks together. And I think you know why no one points it out on that ship. <laughs> Because they don't want to get executed by Janeway. Let's just say, there ain't no O'Brien and she handles everything herself. So, yeah. <laughs> you just keep that shit to yourself. Um, anyway, now they're two Vix, two father and son. Uh, the Beneth plot wraps up so quickly, we don't learn anything about them. There's no dilemma the investigator has to overcome in compromising his life's work to help Tuvok. So, like, that whole side of the episode is nothing. Um, it's a real V'ger will comply. Yeah. I mean, I, I really thought we would have learned something about these dudes, but no. Uh, it was a Neelix and Tuvok episode. It's not their best, but it wasn't their worst either. I gave it a four. Uh, I guess I... Uh, I liked it one less. Um, there's a lot of childlike acting from Tim Russ and everyone is entitled to form their own judgment about how well that worked. I thought it was fine. Okay. It's very odd that this is Neelix's story instead of Tuvok's, though. Well, if they're gonna make him just a sad, confused little boy, they probably like. I don't know how far they can take that. I mean, he's not as good an actor as like Dakota Fanning or something, so <laughs> it's not gonna be that interesting, you know. Okay. Um. <laughs> This episode is one that I think works better if you've been binging the show or at least have watched it serially and seen every episode because there is some, like, the character of Neelix's interactions with Tuvok, if you forget that the episode Tuvix exists, (laughs) is that Neelix has been desperate to win Tuvok's respect. He is constantly trying to get on Tuvok's security team yeah. or whatever. And also, Tuvok fucking hates this little rat. Yep, hates him. He's a goblin and he doesn't like him at all. He's a little fucking 
trash eating rat and Tuvok cannot stand him. And but they don't remind us of that in any way. No. They really leave that to the audience to a degree where I think they didn't really think about that. No, and also, I mean, in another way, they've blown this wad a few different times. Where yep. Neelix and Tuvok have to work together and they understand each other better. Remember, th- hey man, remember that one? Talk about the space elevator. <laughs> that episode with the big elevator. <laughs> that was the whole episode. Yeah. Uh, do you remember Tuvix? I remember uh, that they were they were integrated as Tuvix. I now don't remember if they both have Tuvix's memories or not, or if neither one of them does. I don't remember what the transporter I think magic. They at the didn't end was. remember it. Is my yeah. memory of it that they didn't know what what went down, which is lucky for uh, for Janeway. Um, I, I feel like they've had a bunch of these. I mean, even in like alternate realities, like in the Year of Hell, like Neelix is like the one who becomes Tuvok's fucking caretaker, or is that Seven? I don't remember. Maybe it's Seven. Yeah, me either. Anyway, but like they've done this a number of times where the, those two have just had to uh, come together and figure it out, and they've learned to respect each other. But then it always just starts over. Yeah. So it's like. There is background here, but for some reason, they don't explain it. So they really are counting on us to remember it, or more likely, they didn't remember it. Yeah. Um, and it feels, of course, it feels like a miss that there's nothing about their time as Tuvix. Like, How do you not talk about that? It could it only be wild, because right? they don't have memories of it. It's kind of like tuvok feels safer on neelix because neelix was the very first person to talk to him after he woke up from his accident it's like it doesn't have anything Mm -hmm. to do with their characters or their past right yep exactly it's not like oh tuvok has always secretly liked neelix Mm -hmm. but because he's a vulcan he can't say it and also because he's a vulcan he has to be actively shitty to neelix (laughs) yeah like just doesn't make any sense anyway the b plot is totally unnecessary I mean, they treat it that way for sure. It doesn't matter at all that Tuvok was the victim of an attack by a cloaked alien species. They could have had any kind of fucking weird anomaly or electric shock that could have been the inciting incident. And Tuvok still could have seen the fucking frequency or whatever on the tricorder and done the cake, right? It it does not matter at all. There don't seem to be any parallels at all about these secretive aliens and like Tuvok's hidden emotions or temporarily cloaked emotional control or anything right like there's no parallels they don't do anything so it's just mismanaged minutes the flip side of which is if they got those minutes back it would have just been tuvok screaming soft (laughs) (laughs) except not as good not as good that's the problem see if i I imagine lol in that moment that's a good episode that's a good episode let's see some of that uh listen that actress fucking uh, threaded the needle. Yep. She got the worst dialogue imaginable, yes. and somehow it worked so well. It's one of those big surprises going back and doing a critical rewatch as you go, yeah. oh shit, hold on a second. Something's fucking happening here. And the end of the day, this episode disappointed me, and I gave it a three. That's fair. It's very fair. Uh, but surely the world building was out of this fucking world. Yeah, I mean, I gave it zero. Okay. <laughs> but, like, here's the thing. What do we learn? There's a secretive alien race, but they are now no longer detectable. Yeah, they gave up. So we'll never see them again. Also, presumably, this guy's not going to go back to his people and try to tell them, oh, we've, I found the banana. But also they're better hidden now. 100% real. 
we're never going to find him again. That would be like the time that Cisco took that guy to the wormhole and came back and went, I don't know. <laughs> I guess he went back to the war, to the prophets. Yeah, prophets may he rest with the, the past, I guess. <laughs> oh, well, you're never going to see him again, though. <laughs> anyway, I'm the emissary. <laughs> so, I mean, like, literally, what what is in this that could be world building? Sure. If you crudely scrawl a sine wave on a computer, maybe the computer or on a cake, maybe the computer can figure out what frequency you mean. There's no Even maybe though the to cake it. Cake is so much bigger than the screen of a tricorder. There's, there's no way that's what he could have possibly seen. There's no maybe about it. The Enterprise computer and I guess now the Voyager computer, fucking smartest entities in the galaxy. And I believe they, they can do anything. Under a microscope, it just said enhance, and the computer uh-huh. was just like, "Yeah, I got no, I, I got it." You, by I the way, you could is. have just asked me; I knew what the frequency. Yeah, was if you asked me like three days ago, I would have been able to figure this one out for you. It's the smartest thing in the galaxy. You can have it do like literally anything, really. So, yeah. Uh, well, here's some things you missed. Yeah, I'm not going to say anything about the Beneath. Vulcan neural <laughs> tissue is extremely resilient. Okay. All right. Okay. Well, as I just pointed out, the Voyager computer, like Enterprises, is one of the smartest entities in the galaxy. It took Tuvok's sad cake and turned it into a cloaking frequency. Uh, more of those great Calto effects. I don't know how many of those we've seen. Is that world building? I don't think so. I mean, the uh, the effects were quite good, but I don't think that's uh, new. Cloaks can be beaten like shields. I guess just just find that fucking frequency, and yep. they're they're done. Um, so that's something. I thought you just had to shoot them with something, and then they'd be like, oh, the the beam we we shot interrupted there. That's, uh, there's a ship there, but I guess you can just... I mean, that's what you do if you have pockets of null space. Right? You know, if you don't get too distracted by just pronoun discussions and so on. Yep. <laughs> yes. Um, I gave it a one. So you missed I a lot of like points. That's there. generous, but that's uh, <laughs> that's fine. Uh, characters. What about character work? Did they do great, great, great work this week? Yeah, Neelix and Tuvok, man, just like season one. Uh, Neelix is all bent out of shape that he couldn't help Tuvok, so he adopts him and teaches him how to bake and have fun. And in the end, everything goes back to normal. But he does get one cool bit of banter with Tuvok, so maybe everything will be all right. Schmaldus can't focus on his work with loud music playing. He was designed so fucking poorly. Yeah. He's a computer program. Uh, you'd think he could just turn off his ears, by the way. Yeah, he'd just be like, fucking mute everything over there. Seven is in deep thought about the Beneath, like it's very important to her, but that goes nowhere. She's just Oh, there no, that to, scene is nothing. She's just there to be the random advice giver of the week. You they know how they never pick say... someone that's realistic? They just pick whoever. <laughs> uh-huh. They have to both say riddles this week. <laughs> that's right. I swear the writers not one fucking time have sat down and said, who should be the person to give advice this week? Who has some reasonable life experience that would be helpful in this situation? They just always go, uh, I don't know who's less in the script or something. Put them in there. Uh, I mean, flip side, who's the right person? Well, I don't know. Um, Who has lost an ability if it's not Seven losing her connection to the uh, collective? uh, Yeah, I mean, she lost her ability to go beep, beep, boop. Uh, Fucking, uh, we are the Borg. I'm going to ignore you because you're not that scary right now. Ah, I shouldn't have ignored you again. God damn it. 
always ignoring you when I shouldn't. I, I'm I not know, convinced man. the Borg are that great, is what I'm saying. When, um, when she was hooked up to the fucking collective, she went ham on those three other Borgs. <laughs> she, hunt, she hunted them like they were the deadliest. <laughs> she fucking predator style the hunted them. <laughs> she, uh, yeah, she went after those dummies for sure. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, fucking, uh, I don't know, Shmala's probably lost some abilities at some point, right? And uh, maybe there was. Uh... Well, he's lost his uh, some privileges, like the privilege to call someone uh, on their shower TV. I hope he's lost those privileges. I'm not convinced he has. Um. Anyway, uh, I had it as an average score for good intentions. They were trying to make a show about a nice crew working together to help a boy out, so I gave it a four. Okay. Uh, yeah, this is where we're not that far apart here. So, I mean, Neelix is very sweet in this episode. Mm -hmm. And if you think about it, he has always had this asymmetrical relationship with Tuvok. But I did at one point (laughs) say to Katie, who was watching me with this, 10 points if they kiss. (laughs) Because we actually really don't know what motivates Neelix. No. In the past, in his past relationship with Tuvok, or in this episode. And... Honestly, we don't really know much about Neelix's sexuality. No, he likes uh, little babies. He liked Kess, and he has been entirely aromantic since then. Yeah, Kess, who we were told many times had not yet turned two. Yeah, 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 yeah. So she this, was one for sure. They said it a lot. <laughs> so, you know, I did find myself thinking, what if he's had a little crush on Tuvok all this time? Well, maybe. And he's but... trying to tease him by calling him Mr. Vulcan. And Unfortunately, you'd have to do a lot. That's a lot of deep theorization, because as we know, yeah. in the 90s, there were no gays in space. No, no, I get it. Yeah, they, they weren't allowed. So, yeah. but And they didn't kiss, so they're not going to get 10. But yeah. right. uh, I found it believable. Anyway, uh, it sucks soaking wet that they keep talking about Tuvok's superior Vulcan mind. Yeah. And how how important it is to the whole ship and its mission to get that great, great, super powerful Vulcan mind back. <laughs> it's like when they desperately needed trip so bad that they grew a trip clone and harvested yeah, its yeah, organs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um there's no villains this week. Not the inspector who gives up his tech willingly, not even Janeway. There's a little bit of racism from Schmollis about Vulcans. Mm-hmm. But we're all used to that. And um, and also, you know, Seven pretending Janeway has done anything useful to help her along. That didn't land exactly right with me. But... <laughs> well, she's um, definitely an example of what not to do as a human. So, yeah. Uh, I don't think we've really learned a ton about the characters. And there was an opportunity with Tuvok's guard down to show that maybe he's always been Neelix's friend. But they decided not to do that. Yeah. Uh, but I'm down the middle on this one, too. I actually gave it a five. Okay. Uh, In quick, characterization. Quick old, big old quick ones. Quick quick yeah. potatoes. Um, I was instantly yucked out by Ambassador's Log. Mm, yeah. Um, what's the idea when we hear one of these other people's logs or personal logs? It's just, I mean, it's like they're saying, Neelix is the one in this scene. But it's like, I know, show me this scene. I'll know who's in it. Yeah, like, I get it. It's uh, like it's just a 100% pure format that the original series, Captain's Log, Kirk was explaining to you what happened in Star Trek. Yes. <laughs> Often in Kirk the is telling present you all tense, about his sometimes cool, in future cool tense. Journeys. It's hard to say. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Very, and they they lost track of that format too. But it's like by the time you get to Ambassador's Log, you're just like, I, you just didn't want to have Neelix uh, having a a weird conversation with Tuvok in the first thirty seconds. Like, well, that meeting with the whatever people mm-hmm. went so and so. Yeah. Yeah, it's like when, uh, I don't know if it's ever happened, but I wouldn't be surprised if there's a TNG episode that starts with, like, Counselor's Law, and you're like, no! Don't do it! Um, we know there's Chief Medical Officer's Law, but this week, I'm getting wet. Boning a new ambassador, or whatever. That one was very difficult. That was a very tricky log, and I'm, I'm sure there are more coming. Also, Wesley or something! I don't know! <laughs> Right? Doesn't everyone's log have to have something with Wesley in it? I mean, it comes up quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, this riddle that Neelix opens the show with, mm. it sucks, but it's still too good for the My Brother, My Brother and Me segment, Riddle Me Piss. <laughs> so we're going to do Riddle Me Piss here, Matt. Uh, okay, I'm gonna, would you like a um, a new riddle? Or a best riddle. Oh, a best riddle sounds good. Okay. I don't really know uh, what the difference hun- is between hundred highest rated. Uh, okay. How do we do this? Okay, Matt. Yeah, okay. Here's... I, I guess this is the top one. Oh, this is number one? Yeah, I suppose so. It has 110,000 likes. Okay. The album of the next one has 121, so I don't know if these are in any fucking order. Okay. Uh... The more you take, the more you leave behind. What am I? I don't know. I don't have an answer. The more you take, the more you leave behind. Footsteps. Jesus. The more footsteps you take, the more footsteps you leave behind. You don't like that one? Let's do another one. Jesus. (laughs) That's not even a joke. What has a head, a tail, is brown, and has no legs? Hmm. I don't know why. Uh, the answer won't open for me, so I guess we don't get to know. <laughs> I feel good. like this website is frozen up. This is a good some combination good, of all of the many ads. Good all right, well, that's going to be a one for everyone to think about. Yep, everyone give your best answers via toot. Hold on, maybe if I go directly to that riddles page, oh, I can this is find the answer. Everybody follow along at home. All right. A head, a tail is brown and has no legs. Mm, what? This is, I remind you, this is one of the best riddles, Matt. Okay. A penny. Okay. So. All right. Those are pretty good. I mean, they're only brown when they're like old and dirty, but that's fine. Yeah, that's true. That's fine. <clears throat> In this scene where they're trying to save Tuvok, Schmullis orders Janeway to initiate a neurostatic pulse. And Katie looked over at me and said, that's the captain's job? (laughs) Well, I don't know. We've seen Chakotay just kind of reach over and push five (laughs) buttons on his little fucking thing. So I guess anyone can do anything from anywhere. Uh, Didn't he just tap the volume up button five times last week or something? (laughs) Yep. And then all kinds of shit went down. Yeah. Yeah. He hit Alcar's 219 over and over and over again. Uh, This inspector starts talking about the Beneth and Janeway comes in fucking red hot with sounds like a fucking myth to me <laughs> after he's like she's heard one sentence <laughs> and he has given us uh, some uh uh some build up 
to yeah. let you know that what he says might sound kind of crazy and uh, just kind of hear him out, you know? And she, you're right. She immediately is like, that's about a bunch of fucking bullshit. I should have you fucking killed. She says, that's not the Tom Paris I know. <laughs> that's right. With a big fucking shit-eating grin. Um, at one point, Katie asked me to pause, and I knew exactly why. It was when Schmola said a lesser mind would not have survived the attack. And she wanted to know, A, what that means, and B, why a robot has opinions like that. Yes. Well, that's always the question about Schmollis. Who programmed him to do this? And again, uh, why? <laughs> that was my answer. I told her this guy was programmed by a guy who sucks, and he sucks. Yep. I think two guys who suck, right? There's uh, Zimmerman. He sucks. And then, uh, I don't know, maybe Barkley was involved. We know he sucks, too. So. Oh, yeah. God, Barkley was involved, wasn't There's he? There's like a couple of guys who suck who are working on this thing. Yeah. But he definitely does say a lesser mind wouldn't have survived the attack. <laughs> uh, that's too bad for Chakotay. Hopefully he never gets zapped. Uh, Neelix is spending a lot of time in sickbay, so I guess everyone's using replicator rations this week, huh? Yeah. And then, like I said earlier, man, they just like made like 50 cakes. Yeah. They using all natural ingredients found on planets? Oh man. Maybe. Oh no. Uh the Vulcan brain. A puzzle wrapped inside an enigma housed inside a cranium. Mm. Someone got paid to write that, Matt. I hope not. I hope they're working for free. Is it wrong to say that during this big writers guild uh strike? Should I not say that right now? Because it makes it seem like I'm siding with, you know. <clears throat> you say, listen, I hope um, I hope they get what they want, and I hope they're all replaced by better writers anyway. That's right. I hope they're replaced on merit. That's what I hope. Yeah. Um, Tuvok's uh, casual clothes include uh, green pants and the exact same color of green boots. And I wonder, where are they getting these colorful boots every yes. week? Yes. How can they week. make... How can they keep making these uh, various Marissas? I can only assume the Marissa is the thing that is the easiest for the computer to make for some reason. And that yeah. is why that's the one they're all wearing. Because it costs the least rations or whatever. Uh, Neelix went and was like, computer, give me some pants for Tuvok. Color? Uh, emerald green. And uh, I'm going to need some boots, too. Color? Yeah, <clears throat> emerald green again. Emerald green, I guess. <laughs> he likes that color, I think. Well, that's what they are. They're all fucking monochrome. Fucking, it's fucking ridiculous. Oh uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, he was wearing I'm, a burgundy shirt this week, but uh, yes. But like, whenever you see one of these dumb little kids, it's like, oh, I'm in royal blue from head to toe. Yeah, I look like a fucking blue crayon. Is it just like way easy to dye leather? Ah, fuck me. How do they make the? How do the prop when the prop guy gets this? Mm. And they're like, we need casual clothes for Tuvok, and I want it to be a burgundy velour top yeah. that's like a wraparound top, and then I want, you know, like green corduroy pants and matching green boots. And then the guy looks up and goes, matching green boots. <laughs> fuck, am I gonna get that? You heard what I said. How great would it have been if his casual clothes had been what he wore in Starship Mine? Oh. <laughs> I mean, we'll see, but I think pretty great. It would have been amazing. <laughs> then we would have known, finally, that it was Tuvok on the Enterprise. I mean, I think we'll get a lot of time to play with that theory. We'll see if he talks to any dogs. Um, <laughs> Makes anyone know, run laps. Plays Kalto at all. Yep. Um... Listen, this week we plugged a Viewmaster into the deflector dish, and it worked perfectly. 
it did exactly <laughs> what we wanted it to do. Yeah, that was pretty good. Uh, that guy's tech, it turns out, was very easy to adapt. Yeah. Um, listen, I get it, Tuvok. I 100% understand. Why do I no longer work on the bridge? <laughs> like, I've been asking myself that a lot. <laughs> Lately. I swear to God, so many times, I was like, oh, Tim Ross. Oh, boy. Oh, jeez. I thought it was very, very cool and very well written when we had a scene where Neelix and Seven both talk about how they have riddles to solve in the mm. episode Riddles. He already said it, too. He'd already They'd said already riddle. done a riddle at the top, and they were going to do one at the end, but they really thought we were going to forget what this one was called, huh? It's very important. Oh, by the way, I don't think... Uh, did either of us say riddles when we were talking about what this episode was about? Uh, well, I, I did in the description. Well, not what it's about. No, yeah. not even a little bit. No, that's no. not what it's about. No, and also, uh, six weeks from now, you're going to be like, uh, yeah, we gave um, the episode Riddles uh, 19 points or whatever, and I'm going to be like, I don't remember what that fucking was. Don't know <laughs> which sure. one that was. Sorry. Oh, for sure. It doesn't have anything to do with what's going on here. You know what? We'll never have that problem with Twisted. Twisted? I always know what Twisted is. <laughs> Somewhere the corridor is kind of twisted. You know, what if? Huh? Yeah, what if? What would you do? <laughs> exactly right. What would you do if the... If you the place you're familiar with, you couldn't be familiar with it anymore. Huh? That's an episode. I was really surprised 30 minutes in when Tom Paris showed up. Like, I thought when Janeway was doing nurse shit in the brig, I, or in the... In, <laughs> in should have like, been the ah, Tom Paris ain't around this week. Yeah, he got his Little League shit in, for sure. Um... No one taught Ethan Phillips uh, what a coolie is, so he said coolest. Oh, I didn't even, I don't, how did that even come yeah. up? Yeah, in the baking section, he made a, uh, you know, Tuvok made a raspberry coolie or something for one of his uh, cakes, and but it was, it was a coolest, raspberry coolest. Yeah, well, so. you know, he does his best. He's, he's oh, on Wikipedia I wrote, all Neelix the time. ain't human, so yeah. why would he know how to say the word? But what about the Universal Translator? Yeah, he's always, binging, he's always binging everybody's hometowns and shit. And yeah. All that. Yeah, he did his best, but yeah, he clearly did not ask the computer to pronounce that word for him. He just read it. No. Hey, uh, Tim Russ has got a real Jake Sisko body, huh? <laughs> just arms hang right down to his knees. <laughs> yeah, that's... By the way, that's a good sign. That's a sign oh. of... Uh, yeah, no, royalty for sure, and uh, <laughs> eminence, I think. And his uh, his eyes, he can almost see the sides. Yeah, he can see what's happening on the side. This of is a good thing. And his earlobes touch his shoulders for sure. It's like it's like the story came down through the generations that Liu Bei was a hideous, disfigured monster, and that did not fit into Liu Guanzhong's fucking story. That didn't fit into his it. point of view. So he was like, these things are good. He's <laughs> What I'm saying is he's Otis Redding and Tramp. And he says, that's all right. That's good. It gives you a lot more to work with than the Shaname, right? It's the, <laughs> can you imagine trying to describe all of the characters in Three Kingdoms if everyone had to be as, as tall as a cypress? Yeah, and just... yeah they're as glorious as a cypress. As morally and as upright as a cypress. As a cypress yeah, exactly. And they smelled as great as a cypress. And you're just like, yeah, I mean... Like, I guess... This was the only good thing in Persia, huh? I guess cypresses are pretty good. Like, I don't have anything against the cypress for sure. Yeah, it's more descriptive, I think. Um, 
At one point I said, if Tuvix has to give up on fun in order to remember the cloaking frequency and save his pal Neelix, I'm going to be very disappointed because <laughs> I thought we were kind of setting up an iBorg. But luckily it turned out to be uh, even dumber. Yes, that is that was lucky. Uh, and of course, when Tuvok scrawled a sine wave with like a two inch wavelength on the cake and mm. sheepishly said, this is what I saw. And then we smash cut to the computer analyzed Mr. Tuvok's diagram and gave us the cloaking frequency. Oh, I got Voyager blood pressure again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What would have been great is if they'd showed, he'd shown them that cake and Janeway had looked at Neelix with a look on her face like, oh, this poor dummy, this fucking guy, he doesn't know nothing. But no, yeah. she was like all hopeful, like she knew, because yep. she knows the computer, man. She knew it was going to work out at that point. For but sure, but like... She, if she had just looked over at Neelix like, ah, oh, this fucking dum-dum, oh boy. I was mad for so many reasons. Number one, it's not what he saw. We saw the tricorder in his flashback. Yeah, we did. It had like some bars. It was a bar chart. It was a, <laughs> I was going to say that. By the way, I looked right at it and I was like, oh, it looks like a bunch <laughs> of bars. I don't just make some bars. And then he made that other thing and I was like, uh... Maybe I missed they, it. They made this. There's fucking one tricorder that they can do close-ups on that they made as a prop for season one of TNG, and it's still the same fucking one, and the stuff that's on it don't change. It's like the and toy one you that you bought get. the Hasbro one. It looked basically the same. <laughs> that's the one decal, and that's it, buddy. Sorry. I mean, these are the functions the tricorder does, and only these functions forever. Then it's like, if that's the exact frequency that he saw, um, he... It would have looked like a straight line on a tricorder screen. Yeah. Like, there's just... That thing had a screen the size of a Game Boy Color. There's just fucking no way <laughs> that he could have seen that. And, and if it was scaled down, well, that doesn't make any sense either because he didn't know what she was talking about when she asked about symmetric modulation and constant yeah. amplitude. What you're failing to account for is his superior Vulcan intellect kicking yeah, in. Yeah, I guess I am. Because uh, you have a lesser mind. I just want to see where in the electromagnetic frequency that would have occurred. Oh, boy. Just use this wavelength to frequency calculator. Now let's do it in, oh shit, I guess millimeters. And then we'll say two inches is 50 millimeters. Uh, 5.995 mega, or 5,995 megahertz. Well, where is that on the spectrum? Open, shut them, open, shut them, give a little clap, clap, clap. Shortwave radio. So they they cloaked him with shortwave radio frequency. I don't know. What would you use? No, that's kilohertz. What are we doing? You act like you're so smart. What would you use to cloak someone? <sighs> well, I don't know. I but take, anyway, I, I got real mad about this cake. I just take a walkie-talkie and I point it at you and I say, cloak! Yeah. <laughs> um, How fucking lucky that Narok is a nice guy and he's yeah. willing to help them hide to save... Um, uh, Tuvok isn't even in real mortal danger, is he? <laughs> he gives it up just to, to kind of just to kind of help Tuvok get his groove back. Just to help his new buddies. Uh, you get the feeling that um, he really is lacking friends on his own planet. And he's just, like, feeling the camaraderie. And he, he wants to do right by his new space buddies who are definitely going to fucking jet out of there. Yeah. He's never going to see them again. And yep. when he goes back and writes up a report on this, he's going to have to cut a lot of stuff out. And probably yep. be like, 
anyway, the guy eventually remembered the frequency, so I guess it doesn't matter who or what attacked him. <laughs> um, I don't, you know, we don't always have candidate for worst moment in a TV in a TV show, but uh, when Tuvok said that the jazz from Tom Paris's record <clears throat> collection really swings, that was hard. Yeah, well, yes. <laughs> well, I'll just give. I don't have. You know, many. the character of. The character of Higgins and Ted Lasso is so nice that it almost makes you think jazz could be cool. Yeah. Because he likes it and he's such a nice guy and he had that nice moment in the last episode. But Yeah, Yeah, I I don't have many quick hitters, but one of them is. Had to pause and consider my whole life when Tim said it really swings. It's very tough because why would Tuvok say that ironically? And how would he know to say it non-ironically? Yeah, there's a lot happening there for sure. And it's just a really tough line. It just doesn't make, in the universe, it just doesn't make any sense that he would say that. Yep. Just kind of like the lions and geigers and bears. Oh my. Yeah, I paused it and I went. The uh-oh. Casablanca rehash. Uh-oh, oh no. Uh-oh. I just thought like. What am I doing? You know what, you want to know what I thought? Um. Uh, I was logged into the Brother Date Twitter to help with the mailbag, and I saw uh, we'd recently had our seventh anniversary on Twitter for Brother oh, Date. Fun. And I went, oh no, <laughs> that's not good. Oh, I've yeah. been spending uh, so many hours for seven years. Yeah. And uh, Tuvok just said it really swings. This is episode two hundred and sixty-four. <laughs> Including an episode that we recorded that you guys never will hear. Actually, there's another episode that we recorded that you guys will never hear. So there's... Yeah. This is the 265th time we've recorded this show. And when Tuvok said it really swings, it was like... Just drop... It was like the straw that broke the camel's back. I I just kind of sat there and went, oh no, what did I do? (sighs) Anyway, it's flowers for fucking Algernon. So yes. we got that. Let's just say that. Mm-hmm. Um, this is not an episode, by the way, where they explained what this was about or how it was made on Memory Alpha. Sometimes a Voyager episode is so bleak, or this particularly happened with Enterprise, that there's just almost no background information. <laughs> and all of the ones this week focused on the fact that this was directed by Roxanne Dawson, and I guess she opted not to put herself in it. Oh, it's true. Yeah, I can't think yeah. of anything she did in it, for no, sure. she wasn't here. Okay. So that's fine. Um, you know, it wasn't like Picard's directing this episode, so he's going to go out and pilot the shuttle or whatever. It's my ship, Will. Yep. Um, and then obviously there's no way Janeway would have given Tuvok a choice about having this procedure done, so. No, she would have said, uh, we need Tuvok back to set things right, and I'll blow up the ship if I have to. Yep. Um... All right, I have brought up a theory corner thing while you were describing this episode earlier. Oh, is that what you were typing? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It doesn't make really make any sense that Neelix gets so sad about what happened to Tuvok. He's not in any way responsible for him being attacked. And they hit the dumb thing where he's like, I just wish I could have found the frequency that they attacked. It's like, doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So do you think that Neelix gets all bummed out about what happened to Tuvok? Because when Shmolus got all sad about that medical choice he had to make, people had to be his friend for a couple of weeks. Mm, they had to like sit with him, even though he was yeah. being hella annoying. Yeah. He's like, maybe if I am really bummed out by what happened on this mission with Tuvok, Janeway will come and sit with me in a room. Yeah, and she'll read a book, and I'll uh, 
I'll have to play it up, so I'll say some stuff about how guilty I am, and she'll sit there nodding quietly while she reads her book, and that'll be Well, at good. least I won't be alone with a picture of my dead sister. <laughs> It'll be good bonding time. <laughs> at least it won't just be me putting the Wildman baby to bed and then, you know, <laughs> walking into the other room and talking to my dead sister, as I always do. Um, I gave Best Actor this week, too. I mean, you know, pick Tuvok or Neelix. It's, they get all yeah, the work. They yeah. um. Oh, I pick Neelix. I cannot pick Tim Russ. It's, I don't it's think be... it's his fault. I just don't think he did a good job. <laughs> it's going to be Neelix, I guess. Um, the worst actor's got to be the alien voice saying, the inspector behind you is not to be trusted. <laughs> but then not having anything to back that up at all. You mean Roxanne Dawson with like one of those voice modulators? Yeah, probably. She's like, I'll just do it myself. I'll get somebody get me a Mr. Microphone. <laughs> uh... Yeah. We you got, got a lot of quick hitters on that one. I did. You know, it's because I don't... It's a gift and a curse. I don't get to describe this one. So <laughs> I have to get my little notes in somewhere. Right, man. You can describe Voyager every week if you want. I, no, that's not what I'm saying, <laughs> but I want to do <laughs> it at all. Jab, so. For sure. Uh, I do get to describe the next one. You said you don't have really any quick hitters, right? No, it was just how many times I said out loud and in my notes, poor Tim Russ. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I do get to describe the next one because second place last week was TNG. Yeah. Uh, this week we watched The Inner Light. Enterprise has been surveying the Parvenian system. Mm. And they've found an unidentified probe. And it scans the Enterprise with a nucleonic beam that takes Picard down. Yeah. Uh, Worf didn't even say anything like, uh, it is hailing you. Or any, like anything like that. But it definitely did. Yeah. Um, he wakes up on a couch with a woman leaning over him. She's calling him Cayman. Mm-hmm. He can't get the holodeck to answer him. He can't get the Enterprise to respond. And she tells him he's in his home. And then we go to the credits. Yeah. So this woman, whose name we later learn is Eileen, uh, tries to tell Cayman that he's recovering from a fever and he shouldn't push himself or go outside. But he walks around this little stucco town and he watches a tree planting ceremony. He listens to a little speech about just fucking togetherness in the face of the drought. Yeah, man, and this he... tree is a symbol mm-hmm. of not the drought. We're not celebrating that, but also how the drought brought us all together. So in a way, yay drought. We're, <laughs> we're going to keep this tree alive. No, it's not a fruit tree. Should have thought of that. <laughs> you probably should have had it grow something for us. That would have been better than just these... Fucking pine needles or whatever. That's just like a juniper, so I hope everybody likes gin. This is fucking stupid. Um, he talks to a local leader named Bataille, plays along with the idea that he's been sick in order to gather information, finds out he's in the city of Resic on the planet of Catan, goes, walks out in the hills, etc. Eventually he comes home. Um, he tries to get Aline to answer some questions about Catan, even though he knows that he's going to sound cuckoo bananas to her. Hmm. Eventually, 
she sort of redirects things so that he's asking her about their relationship and his life in the town as an iron weaver and how he loves to play the flute, but he sucks at it. <laughs> yeah, she makes sure to point out that he fucking eats fucking shit at the flute. Uh, he sees the probe on her necklace and she says it's the first gift he ever gave her. And, and he doesn't, point, at, at that point, he, I was very surprised, did not make a Riker face. No, he didn't Riker, say, what is this at all? He would have snapped that thing off her neck and he would have said, no, you can't, don't even try. Yeah, this would have been a real minuet moment um, <laughs> for Riker, for sure. Uh... At this point, we cut back to the bridge to see that Picard is still unconscious there, and, like, just a few moments have passed. Uh, Beverly tells Riker that Picard's healthy, he has no signs of trauma, but his neural activity is off the scale. Uh, Worf, of course, wants to shoot the probe, but he's the only one who thinks that's a good plan. Hmm. Uh, Instead, they just try to back away from it, but it follows them. Uh, When we cut back to the planet, though, Cayman is doing some astronomy... And Aline thinks he's still fixated on that dream starship of his and that other life. And it turns out that five years have passed. Yeah, that's why he's got a dumb haircut. (laughs) Yeah, his hair's gotten longer. But his hair's gotten like three months longer, so I guess it's not. Oh, yeah, no, he's had haircuts, for sure. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's he's monking it, for sure. But he's become a kind of guy who has a slightly different haircut there. Yep. Maybe there's no clippers in this town. Maybe he can't iron weave some clippers. <laughs> you think uh, with all of his cool future knowledge, you can figure it out? Come on, buddy. I mean, you would think so. Nah, he's so fucked. He's like so far in the future, so far advanced from these people. All the intermediate steps are gone. He has no idea how to help them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't I know. Why don't you guys just like um, send a starship out there or something? And he's like, like, what? I kind of remembered the principles behind a telescope. He's Is that like, anything? Uh, no, you just use like a warp drive. Dilithium crystals? And they're like, what the fuck Sub, are you talking subspace? about? Subspace? And he's like, no, nope, turns out I can't help you at all, actually. Yeah, no, forget it. <laughs> Maybe we could speed things up. Do you guys have airplanes? <laughs> I sort of I sort uh, of half remember what the shape of a wing is like. It's like a uh, lift. That's, uh, pr- that's uh, something you got to keep in mind. And dr- uh, drag. Maybe if I say if I say Bernoulli principle, does that mean no? <laughs> oh, you never had him. Shit. You never had that guy. Okay. Bernoulli wasn't from here. <laughs> um, yeah, that's right. Uh, hey, why am I named after uh, basketball Sasquatch? What's the deal? <laughs> What's the deal with that? Anyway, I guess he's told Eileen Hall about his life on the Enterprise. He probably did a bunch of Riker impressions. Ladies like those. <laughs> um, <laughs> She's like, yeah, I mean, you could get chocolate pudding there whenever you wanted, but it sounds like you were a mega virgin. Yeah, and, and we've fucked uh, a lot already. Yeah, and also she wants a baby. Yeah, and he says you can't have a damn baby. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Well, Bataille shows up, and they go to meet the smarmy district administrator, who's not really interested in Cayman's atmospheric condenser plan because that sounds like some Luke Skywalker shit to him. <laughs> I mean, you can waste your time. <laughs> Look, I have 150. I said I had three major problems, but I have 150 problems overall with this episode. So we'll we'll talk about that later. Okay, yeah. Um, he has Bataille over for dinner because he wants to talk about building their own atmospheric condenser or whatever. But I guess after dinner, he just uh, makes his friends sit there while he plays Frere Jacques on his flute barefoot. <laughs> And then when Aline kicks Bataille out, he uh, tells her it's time to get fucking. Yeah. Yes. 
Uh, back on the Enterprise, Jordy has found a way to track the probe back to its origin, and also Data thinks he can disrupt the nucleonic beam. And Riker's bored, so he has Data cut the cord. Uh, it has been like causes... 10 minutes, man. How long is he supposed to wait? <laughs> He's had enough of this. <laughs> Beverly has insisted multiple times that it's not safe to do, and also that it's Picard seems like to be just ten fine. minutes. Yeah. What's happening? Has... Man. People are spoiled in the future, huh? Can't sit around longer than that. He's like, I mean, we got Nurse Ogawa up here and everybody. We've done everything we can. I mean, well, Riker 100% gets bored very quickly. We'll talk. I have to my quick hitter, so we'll talk about it. Or it might even be in characterization. Anyway, as Data cut the cord, and that causes Picard to stroke out at uh, Cayman's second child's naming ceremony, right after he names the little guy Bataille for their dead friend. Yeah. Uh, Picard's going into shock on the bridge until Data reestablishes the beam, at which point we cut back and Cayman's oldest daughter is, like, in her 20s. Yeah. And she's figured out that the planet's fucked, which Cayman already knows. He tells her, seize the time and live now. Uh, tells her to climb a tree. Yeah. And uh, uh, throw your books away. All that stuff. <laughs> 100%. He is very much like that character. <laughs> From community. What's the name of that professor? They don't remember anymore. Yeah, but either. he was great. Uh, Jordy traces the probe back to Catan, where the star went nova and killed all life in the system a thousand years ago. Oh, we're starting to get it. The All the plot is coming together now. Yeah. Now we see Cayman, and he's in stage four old man makeup. <laughs> and he's working on a telescope while his son Bataille plays the flute a lot better than Cayman can. But Cayman thinks Bataille is kind of a wastrel, and sure enough, this kid wants to leave school to concentrate on his music, and Cayman's like, ah, fuck it, we're all gonna die. Don't fucking make any difference anymore. It's not done, man. Alright, you can spend the next six months as a musician. Great. <laughs> he goes to talk to the administrator again, um, but that guy already knows the whole planet's doomed. And Cayman wants them to at least try to save something, and the administrator tells him, listen, there's a plan in the work, but you 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 specifically are not supposed to ask me about it. <laughs> yeah. And anyway, at this point, Cayman has to go uh, watch his wife die, so. Yeah. Uh, Troy's not around for a scene on the bridge to tell us that Picard is experiencing sadness during this. Instead, we just cut to stage five old man makeup on Cayman. No, no, dude, it's Saturday. She is busy. Yeah. <laughs> okay. She's not like these idiots in real uniforms. She gets the weekend off. <laughs> uh, Cayman's playing with his grandchild, who he knows and constantly talks about in his presence is doomed. Yeah. Uh, and his daughter, Maribor, drags him off to see the launching of a missile. And she tells him, you know what we're about to launch. You've already seen it. And then yeah. old Bataille is there and he's like, hey. It's the probe. Do you remember? And he does remember. And he says a bunch of stuff like, oh, it's me. I'm the one it finds. Uh, he plays sad old man very good, by the way. Yeah, I got a uh, lot. I got so many things to say. As usual, TNG is going to take a long time to sort out this yeah. week. Uh, and then as, uh, then Aline is there again. The whole family fucking huddles up to tell him they've all been dead for a thousand years. But through him, they'll find life again. Oh, for sure. And we, we see the probe launch and Picard starts to come to on the bridge. And Riker says, yeah, you're out about 25 minutes. It's fine. <laughs> Beverly takes him off to sick bay. Uh, later we see him in his quarters and he says he's still getting used to being back here and that that was all a dream and Riker's like, ah, yeah, well, this will probably help. Here's your flute. It was in the probe. <laughs> so, you know. 
said it's very important that the uh, the player one, uh, whatever that means, <laughs> get, uh, gets the flu. Yeah. And they said it's Bluetooth enabled. So I think you're supposed to use it while you're playing the game. I don't know. Uh, and then Picard plays uh, Baby Batai's lullaby as the ship flies away. Mm. 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 So mm-hmm. Matthew. Mm-hmm. Matthew, what's this one about? Mm. The best way to get to know somebody is to live amongst them? No. Uh, be a skeptic, because a, a hard truth is better than a comfortable lie. Oh, no! <laughs> no, wait. Okay, don't be a skeptic, because you can never really be part of a community until you stop questioning everything? I don't fucking know, buddy. I don't know what it's about. Do people like this one? What do they like about it? What the fuck did I just watch? Two points for themes. Oh, no. I now... Now I'm looking at what you scored and thinking about what your other <laughs> scores are. You saw my... Just the three numbers come in. Yes, and I have now discovered a discrepancy. <laughs> and that is that we don't have these in the same order. Um, all right, so... You don't know. That's only, that's only score one. Yeah, I have a theory because um, my take on this one is we are all going to die, and that's okay. Oh. The whole show turns on this one hopeful gesture by the dying people, right? They're going to make this weird video game, and hopefully someone someday will find it, and the planet will be remembered. That's all they can do, and they're going to do their best. Mm. It's not a 10, because I don't know what we're supposed to do about our own mortality. Like, it yeah. almost suggests that we should all be writing autobiographies and planting important artifacts with people instead of... Well, um, I got a lot of important things to say, so I should yeah. probably get started. Like, did you know that I got a baby? Yeah. People got to hear about this. It's wild. <laughs> it's important. People got to know that. Uh, you know, instead of saying that these things will, like, outlive you naturally, right? Because this thing is so manufactured. Yeah. Um... But it's still a big idea, and I'm not unhappy about it, and I gave it a 7. It's very interesting. Is it okay, though? Because they don't seem like they think it's okay. That yeah, I mean... Die. They seem they, pretty busted up about it. The whole thing is that they fundamentally have accepted it. Oh, really? Um, okay. I don't know. I didn't get that. I thought the, he's devastated the whole time, and like you said, keeps talking about it in front of the little kids, about how you're basically just dead anyway. Yeah, you're he dead little shits. Well. He's Picard. He probably <laughs> thinks he isn't going to die. And then, you know, uh, everyone else is in denial because they don't want there to be a panic or whatever. I don't know. He probably thinks Q, who will live forever, is going to show up and save him. And he'll never die. Yeah, don't worry. Q don't live forever. Yeah, I know. Fucking great. It's fucking great. It's all great. Uh, And I guess we might as well swing right into characterization or or, uh, execution where I also gave it a seven. Okay, yeah, we're pretty far off on this one. All right. Sure, yeah. Look, um... My main question about this episode is whether we need any of the cuts back to the ship. Uh, just to show Riker getting mad, I guess. Yeah, I I think the main work they do is they let us know about ten minutes prior to the end that Catan, that Cayman isn't going to save the planet and Catan is dead. Yeah. And that gives us kind of a soft landing on that, right? Sure. Uh, like, that's not his role here. The planet is doomed, etc. Uh, I think it would have been perfectly understandable without the cuts back to the ship, though. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess the other part, I guess they could have just said at the end, it's only been 10 minutes, because I was going to say the other part was they get they let you know pretty early on that he is going through a lot of time in a very short time period yeah. in real life. But yeah, they could yeah. have just done that at the end. Uh, the episode also cheats a little. 
Like, we know this is a profound experience for Picard because it's the road not taken for him. Settling down, raising a family, all the stuff he has forbidden himself and all the things he was jealous about when we saw him with his brother in family. Uh, But that's a coincidence. Like, we're not told how the plays. Exactly. We're not Mm -hmm. told how the probe chose Picard, but it seems like it was probably pretty much a pure accident that the Enterprise was here to be scanned, so... Uh, you know, they, we got, I wonder if they purged those old files. What if it had tried to pick McDuff? <laughs> like, ah, oh, this is the guy right here. What do you mean? What? Oh, that was our one chance? Oh. Oh. <laughs> I wasn't real. Damn it. Um, we also know that Picard has enough scientific training to, like, build a telescope and figure out that the planet's doomed, right? But, like, what was the plan if the person chosen to be came and couldn't do those things? <laughs> What if he so. was just a real asshole who was just mad forever that he was on this shit planet? Just a fucking Packled rolled through. Yeah. <laughs> or a Ferengi or something, you know? It's a different... I mean, it depends. Uh, how open is this world? How sandboxy are we, are we getting? This is a very good question. Yeah. It's like, uh, yeah, uh, there's a, a Ferengi rolled through and he just, uh, he just basically fucked everyone in the town. For yeah, the whole thing. Uh, he did become very rich, but it didn't yeah. save the planet or anything. Yeah, he became rich and had a lot of sex, but I honestly don't think he learned anything. Yeah, <laughs> about us. Yeah, at the end, he's. Like, I mean, he, for one thing, he didn't even play the flute once. So, Eileen is programmed to come back at the end. He came back and he did not know who she was because he just ran out of that house the first day and never came back. <laughs> he did not remember her at all. Uh, so, like I said, the script cheats. Yeah, uh, I mean, but ultimately, I thought it was a show that really worked. You know, okay. TNG is slow and thoughtful enough to carry this one off, and Patrick Stewart has the ability to say, oh, it's me, the probe finds me, yeah. <laughs> without sounding insane. So I gave it a seven. All right. Uh, okay. A ceramic probe? Solid fuel? How primitive. But also, these old boys built a probe with a beam that could penetrate <laughs> the Enterprise's shields. Uh-huh. It scanned them and whipped they ass. Uh-huh. Like, okay. Maybe Eline is as dumb as Cargon's butthole. Right? Maybe. But yeah, he there were some her, scientists on this planet we never saw. Yeah, he asks her how many planets are in their solar system, and she looks at him like, what are those fucking words, though? What does it mean? <laughs> These people built a life simulator with perfect realism. Not they couldn't that. build atmospheric condensers? The guy's it's, like, that's too much work. I don't know how to do that. It's like the best video game ever, too. Like, it introduces the flute. Yeah. And it's like, listen, we're, we really can only pass on one cultural artifact. <laughs> and it's going to be, it has to be small enough to fit in our fucking basic chemical rocket probe. <laughs> so we're thinking a tin whistle. And then it's like, ah, <laughs> oh, great. What if the guy doesn't care about it? Tin whistle, that's like right. that's the not going to mean anything. Make to him. him care about and be like, it. We'll make him care about it, but we're going to start him off at a place where he has a bad memory, and his wife tells him, "You're not good at playing the flute." So when he yeah. picks it up and he can't he's play it, that's going to seem normal to him. Yeah, he's not going to be like Tuvok to ask him about why he's not on the bridge anymore. And then it's like he's going to pass on the music to his kid, and then it's going to be sort of a point of contention about him. But it's going to be where he comes to the realization that the planet's doomed and it doesn't matter. Let the kid do the cultural thing, et cetera. So anyway, at the end, he'll get the flute out of the probe. It's just like the best video game ever made for sure. Anyway, this is after the guy says that they they can't build atmospheric condensers. It'll take too much work. This is a resource allocation problem. I think is what I'm Uh seeing. They built this thing. 
They should have been building some other things. Like, listen, we let Microsoft buy Activision about 15 years before we figured out the sun was dying. <laughs> and so there is only there is only one video game company, and it's also kind of the only company. So yeah, what kind of the solution has to be a video game? And I know that doesn't make any sense, but yeah. Uh, so I didn't understand the plot. I didn't understand the plot, but the real problem is their plan is so fucking stupid. <laughs> you can't put what Picard went through in a book or a museum or... Nobody's ever going to experience this thing. Picard was the one guy, apparently, and he's what? Supposed to go around telling everybody about the great Catanians <laughs> or whatever they were called? He's supposed That's to go to a the lot plan? of very somber ceremonies where he gives a big presentation about them, but then plays the flute at the end, and they're like, I yeah. don't know, it just sounds like a flute. You know who's not going to do that? Picard. Yeah. He's oh, he's going to hide the flute in his quarters and play it for one lady ever. No one will ever know about their society. He tells gonna no be a one it's his weird private scene shame. in Nemesis where it turns out he still has the flute. <laughs> it's his private shame. He literally <laughs> won't tell anyone ever. Whoops. Hey guys, you fucked up. Why not um why not put more artifacts in there? Maybe some literature, a long history of their planet, some pictures, sounds, fucking uh, just recipes, a just anything. a copy of Wikipedia. Anything you want to put in there. These guys were fucking dummies for real. <laughs> I couldn't escape how dumb everything was. That's what they came up with? The video game that he played and then hid from everyone forever. Great. Good job, guys. You're back on the map. Everyone knows about the Catanians. This is good. This is off to an amazing start. What do you score it? <laughs> the old person makeup in this episode is so fucking busted. They all oh, look like Carl bad. Havoc. And they got to do it on everybody. <laughs> I named this episode <laughs> A Planet Full of Carl Havocs because they all looked fucking <laughs> horrible. It's such a wild decision because there's only four or five regular characters in it and they have to age all of them. <laughs> the guy, the administrator looks so oh, yeah. fucking bad. His wife doesn't do anything to try to sound old. She sounds no. exactly like it, she sounded in the first scene. She makes no, she's like, very Picard young is and trying. vital one second before her death. Picard is trying. Picard tries to put on old guy voice, and she's just like, ah, yeah, you know, uh, I'm going to put uh, put your shoes away again, huh? You know, that's uh, that's our old joke. And you're like, she just sounds fucking identical to Steam 1. I gave it a 2. <laughs> I didn't understand what was happening. At this point, we're 12 points apart. Oh, we're definitely no, going to make it up. At this point, we're 10 points apart. Now, I'm going to say that that is currently the max I have ever been above you. Mm -hmm. uh, and, the, of course, you have scored an episode 13 points higher than me. So, Yes. <clears throat> uh, if this trend continues, <laughs> it looks like we might set a new record on that front. All right. Well, a lot of people do like this episode, but I, I just... I, watching it critically, I... I the decisions that everyone made were baffling to me. Um, yeah, so world building then. Magnetic wave surveys picked up this dang old probe. Uh, the planet had a bad climate change and killed them all. I guess their star was at the end of its life or something and went nova. Did the simulator make everyone look like humans because he's a human? Or is this how these old boys and girls looked? Another thing, the game didn't tell him. He, yeah, they could have just been a bunch of barrages. He doesn't even know if that's how they really looked. Yep. I gave it a one. <laughs> um. Well, let's see what we've got here. 
Enterprise finds a relic of a long dead civilization in space. Yep. I mean, it could be a zero even. <laughs> uh, I'm giving it one point because I. Uh, one thing that I have appreciated multiple times in Star Trek is when they show a civilization that has different technology levels than we do, that they're advanced <laughs> in some ways and not in others. Well, this game was fucking advanced as shit. And that's what happens here, and that's why I'm giving them one come, point. Hey, if their games are so advanced, how come you don't see uh, Bataille just fucking, with a headset on, just fucking uh, first-person shooting his, his fucking night away? How come yep. his son isn't like, I want to be a pro gamer? <laughs> yeah, yep, 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 yeah. You, you're getting to my last quick hitter for sure. Oh, okay. uh, <laughs> but yes. Just a one, and um, characterization's a tough one, too. None of our regulars are in it except Picard, and by the second or third scene on the planet, he's really settled into Cayman. Yeah. And we're picking up a few things about him, like, I guess we see what he might be like as a father in some very specific circumstances where the planet is dying, for instance. extremely hypothetical possible situations. uh, We see him as part of a town council, but he doesn't really have any real power there. We get the tiniest bit of tension between Beverly and the moron twins when they want to either shoot the probe or cut off the beam or something on the bridge. Mm-hmm. But this thing does basically no characterization work. I gave it a two. Yeah. Um, Picard has an excellent sense of direction. Dude was awake for three seconds, hella confused, ran oh, yeah. out of that house as soon as he could. Found his way back. Finds his way right back home in the evening. I would have ended up under a bridge. He could have had to ask 15 people, where do I live? He might have, and that's what would have been the realistic way to get home. I would have ended up under a bridge. I would have just given up. I'd be like, (laughs) I should have fucking remembered. Why didn't I fucking look at what that house was? I walked straight out of this city, then turned around and looked right back at it. Why can't I find my way back? She implied that I have a bed in that house, and I am tired now. I would like to go back there. I don't know if if any of these plants are safe to eat. (laughs) I really got to find actual food. All right, ready for my third major problem here? Yeah, let's have it. All right. What Picard goes through in this episode would ruin somebody for fucking ever. Now, you are going to penalize this episode for something that is the rest of the series' problem. And I have every reason to believe they will get it wrong. (laughs) Thinking that the first 65 years that you lived on this fucking, in this galaxy, was a dream? Because you then lived... 30-some-odd years. Yep. Like I said, living fucking God knows how many more. Then waking up from that dream to realize the first one was real all along? Yes. You would be cooked, man. Anyone would. Yet, this show (laughs) can't go on with a cooked Captain Picard. Yeah, you definitely would be like, you know what? I'm taking universal basic income at this point. I'm just going to (laughs) go. Probably, honestly, I'm probably mostly going to lay in bed now. (laughs) I'm done with everything. I might try playing this flute. Just try to make the two things come together. That's, that's right. This will be my life now because I'm shattered as a person. But this show can't go on with a cooked Captain Picard. So you can already guess he'll be right as rain next week, which is fucking crazy. Oh, like, yeah. When O'Brien was in jail for 20 years and killed his best friend and only companion. And next week he was cool, man. Never heard about it again. They could have done a throwaway too. like, well, honestly... It was only 25 minutes. This stuff is all only in your short-term memory. It's yeah. pretty much going to fade It'll away. It'll fade away like a dream or something yeah, like it that. it is going to, like, honestly, your brain can't store it all. It's just going to disappear from you, so write it all down now. Yeah, but nah, he just lived the whole thing. 
And, yeah. uh, and he'll a hundred percent be fine next week. You don't need to actually see next week's episode. So just insane, insane what they did. <laughs> uh, Beverly has to talk Riker down from phasering that probe into dust, but, uh, he's, he, he does at least interrupt the beam. Um, thank God nurse Ogawa was there to save Picard's life. She's hella clutch. Oh yeah. Uh, so the actual characterization I didn't have a problem with, but that plot doesn't make any sense. I gave it a three. Okay. Um, oh, so that puts us right back at a 10 point differential. So there you go. <laughs> uh, no, nine. That's a nine point differential. So this oh, is that's not even the, that bad then. <laughs> not even the episode I have liked most compared to you. Yeah. Uh, quick ones. Uh, it's your turn. Is that teal elf's outfit a hospital gown? Because she said he'd been down with a fever for three days, and he's <laughs> definitely dressed like a jaunty little elf man. <laughs> Dude, this is such a fucking Bataille move, man. Just what we've come to expect from Bataille. Just blaming this shit on Aline, as always. She should have put you in the hospital. She should have stopped making you eat iron filings, etc., etc. <laughs> it's always a fucking woman's fault to Bataille. Yeah. Better, good thing you named his son after him. That's for uh, sure. What By the way, Bataille's definitely Picard's real, the best friend he's ever had, right? Oh, in real life? It's oh, not goodness. Walker Keel. No, it's, no, no, no. Uh, it's not Jack Crusher, for <laughs> sure. Not Jack Crusher. No. It's Bataille. And it's he's Bataille. like, ah, sucks that my best ever friend wasn't real. It's Bataille because Bataille was programmed to be his best friend. <laughs> yep. No matter what dumb shit he said, Bataille would have been like, you're my best friend. <laughs> um... What accent did Cayman's son have? It felt different in every scene. In the first uh, scene, I was like, is this guy British? What's happening? And then in yeah, the well, second scene, I was like, I think he's Persian. No, he's... And then in the third scene, I thought he was French. And in the fourth scene, I thought he was Australian. So It's a very good question. And I think um, you know that that's Patrick Stewart's real life son. Wait, is it? <laughs> yeah. Okay, I thought he looked like him. I was like, hey, that's my uh, yeah, job. That is. So is he British then? Oh, uh, yeah, I assume so. I've okay. neglected to write down his name. I know it's not French, Stuart. I know that's a different guy. <laughs> it would have been great if you'd called him that, though. Um, yeah, so I was conf- I didn't know what that guy was. Uh, not this episode's fault, but Picard is, the wor- as I said, the worst fucking ambassador for their people. <laughs> it's a, just a huge fucking fail. He makes it his weird private shame and hides everything away in his quarters and never talks about them again. Whoops. And then I was done with quick hitters. Yeah, the only hope is that the probe got fucking mailed to the Daystrom Institute and they figured out how to replay it and now and now <laughs> there's right. like a museum exhibit where anyone could go be Cayman. That's yeah, that's really it. And at the end they just go, I don't know, the probe died. So I don't have high hopes for that. At some point Patrick Stewart's going to Picard's going to find out that that happened and he's going to be like, "You mean everyone's railing my wife?" <laughs> my wife who I am in love with because I lived it that way. Mm. Mm. Well, I mean he's look, Great. he's way less in love with her than uh then Riker with Minuet. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. All right, quick hitters for you, then. Yeah, hey, remember in the pilot when they had to introduce the technical wonder that was the holodeck? Uh-huh. <laughs> well, now here in season five, the holodeck's so mundane as an idea that it's Picard's immediate first thought when he wakes up in a strange room. Yeah, I know. That he's just like, computer and program. Computer yeah. pause. I mean, because when you think about it, just how many times has he already seen a hologram, a holodeck fuck up? Just so many. But also, like, 
is this a prank that Beverly plays on him all the time? Just waits for him to nod off after dinner and then has Data carry him silently to the holodeck? Like, the idea that you could wake up in a strange room and be like, I must be in the holodeck. <laughs> Again. What do you mean? These fucking guys. It's not that funny if you do it ten times in a row. Yeah. I'm always waking up in here. Uh, you talked about his magical elf outfit, which I described as another absolutely banging casual outfit. <laughs> uh, hammer pants and a matching deep V tank. When he, that's his first outfit, his first scene in this new life. And I was already like, yeah, fuck yeah, you guys fucking nailed it, man. Great I job. I fucking slammed. That's a great outfit. <laughs> if I could get that. I don't like the little loafers that go with it. Nah, you have to, though. You have I mean, to. I get I They all go get together. It, but, like, otherwise, uh, I'm all in. What, are you going to wear some chucks? Come on, man. Like, just fucking so do that whole outfit. Commit to the outfit. Uh, she serves him, uh, stew out of a little slow cooker that's got like Beatles mandibles or something as the <laughs> handles. I thought uh-huh. that was pretty rad. I don't know if that's something you could buy in 1992. Has our buddy said anything about it? Well, here's the thing. Our buddy is only on season three, so. <laughs> oh, he's not here yet. Oh, that's well, rough. He'll never get here. And his because name is pronounced like is, Kirk, you say? Yerk like Kirk. Yerk uh, like Kirk. The problem is uh, they keep making new Star Treks, yeah. and the new Star Treks keep eating into his time to overanalyze TNG. Ah, so, that sucks. It's going to be a while before he gets to the inner light, unfortunately. But yeah, Yerk, he'll you, be able to tell you all the on. nine episodes <laughs> that that fucking beetle mandible fucking pot has been in. I just want to know if you could buy it at Macy's in 1992 or whatever, <laughs> so... Uh, Yerk, when you get to this send one, a special email. Send, send us a toot on Mastodon. Uh, that'd yes. be fantastic. Yes, please. Maybe I'll maybe I'll toot at him and see what happens. Yeah, go for it. Let's yeah, let's get some interaction with Yerk because he's uh, uh, he's certified Star Trek fresh for sure. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, now, well, do you think there's anyone anywhere who sees this cut back to the ship and th- goes, "Oh, thank God, it's not real." Like, maybe at the very end of season five, they were going to reveal that all of Star Trek TNG had been a fever dream that Cayman was having. Because when they cut back, I was like, oh, man. Yeah. The point of this. Oh. Oh, it's okay. Oh, it's okay. It's the probe that we saw at the beginning is doing this. It's not. It wasn't really fake. Ooh. Yeah. Um, podcast contributor Ryan oh. gave a speech at a restaurant. On his 35th birthday. He did? Why? It's a good question. You give a speech on your own birthday? Is that a thing you have to do? He did it once. Okay. I 100% believe that if he played the flute, we would all have had to politely sit through a little composition at some (laughs) ceremony or other. Like a kid's naming ceremony or whatever. Hey, I got a new dog. You guys want to come over and have some beers? And then you're sitting there and he's like, oh, by the way, I wrote this. He's just sitting out by the fire pit or whatever. Like, I'll bust out the flute. (laughs) Hey, um, Ryan, do you play any instruments? Just let us know. It's a good question. I I believe I know the answer, but it's a good question anyway. Uh, hey, at this point, Riker is so anti-command that he'll risk Picard's life not to have to sit there and keep making decisions. I just, just like... Reminder of how quick everything happens on the bridge. <laughs> he he re- I mean, even he should really be able to keep it together for that long. But he can't. 
He couldn't with the fucking Temerians either. He was no, ready to instant, light him up in Darmok. Instant Picard disappears from that bridge. He's like, everything's a phaser now and fire all phasers. Everyone stand at the window with your hand phasers. We're going to really give it to him. This dude got way too far in the command track before he realized he did not enjoy it. And I guess he must feel like it's too late to retrain and no. become something else, right? And I think, like you said, many years ago now, <laughs> so many fucking years ago now, he probably just thought it was expected of him and never really gave him any thought until everyone started giving him shit about it in Haven. Yeah. He was like, oh, you're the guy who wants to be a starship captain. I must... That must be really great and interesting. And then he thought about it and he went, is it though? I guess it's not. They're right. I guess it's not that great. Uh, I thought there was another good small touch here when uh, Picard stabilizes and uh, Gates sits back on her ass exhausted. Yeah. Like that felt real. Hey, these guys pulled it off without a fucking hitch, huh? first ship that comes across the probe and they can jack right into the captain's brain and it's Picard and not fucking Morgan Bateson. <laughs> Bateson, Bateson would have been thrown for a fucking loop. Like, aside from the whole sun going Nova and making the planet uninhabitable thing, these guys got pretty lucky. She would have been like, Cayman, don't you know what year it is? And you're like, that's easy. That's, that's 2287. <laughs> She would have been like, no, that's not right. You're like, well, agree to disagree, because I think I know what year it is. Pretty sure. I would have been nice to see hints about all that brain tech, though. Like, maybe instead of going outside to play, now the people are staying down in the cellar, walking among fake trees. You know, like... Yeah. Maybe just a any hint sign that these guys at all. weren't totally Iron Age peasants. Yes, any sign at all that they, like, knew about computers. Since they built a fucking supercomputer and sent it into space. They're just like all wearing straw hats and Picard's saying stuff like, are you wearing your sun protector? And it's like, (laughs) oh boy. (laughs) What do you mean these guys have rockets? I don't think so. They lived such a shitty little existence. All of the other stuff was unbelievable. Uh, I give best actor to Picard and worst actor to Patrick Stewart's real life son, Little Bataille. Wait a minute, the little one was his son? Not the kid, the, but the adult one. Oh, but he's yeah, little Bataille because uh, B- of Bataille. Named yeah. after Bataille, right, yeah. I gotcha. Okay, I was like, wait a minute, the little baby was? was Bataille Jr. baby? Younger Bataille. Yes. Okay. <laughs> no, not the baby, that wasn't Picard's real life son with Vosh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> hey, uh, just re- so quick check-in, so how many points did I give this one? Oh, you give this one uh, eight. And how many did you give it? Seventeen. Okay, all right. So it's still, by the way... Um, just a little hint, it still scored less than Voyager, so... Oh, no! <laughs> uh, when we talk about Deep Space Nine in a minute, it's only going to have to beat a 26. And I think it's got it. I think it's going to, yeah. Alright. Well, we did watch DS9. Yeah, we're ready for it. You already do your quickies? Yeah, I already uh, okay. I already did. Yeah, we watched Deep Space Nine. Deep Space Nine was the winner last week. This week we watched Rocks and Shoals. In the old days, before the uh, threat of legal action, you could have played something by the Muscle Shoals Band. Would have been good. I could have, but I played songs for the losers, not the. Oh sure, yeah, yeah winners, yeah. right? <clears throat> uh, Captain's Log, the damaged Jem'Hadar ship, Cisco and company are driving around. It's in big trouble. Two Jem'Hadar ships are closing on them. 
Uh, they are attacked, and Dax is thrown over the cheap plastic railing. And uh, <laughs> Which looks particularly cheap this week. You know, in slow-mo, it's not good. They shouldn't have put it in. There's a lot of slow-mo this week, and none of it's good. Um, the ship loses helm control and drifts toward a planet uh, inside a nebula, I think. A dark matter nebula, even. Uh-huh. Uh, and Dax is mad injured. Garrick shouts, hold on to your spoons! And then they <laughs> crash into a planet, maybe. Credits. The two Jem'Hadar have a chat about their whole exposition. Yes. <laughs> they crashed here a couple of days ago. The first and second are dead, and the Vorta's near death. But they're going to hold this worthless planet inside a nebula forever, if need be. Or until they die, or whatever. The whole crew on Cisco's ship washes ashore, including Dax, who gets floated in. Also a red-headed extra. That lady is fucked. She's gonna get blasted into orbit. I just know it. What did end up happening to her? Spoiler alert, she lives. Mm. I've been wrong about that several times lately, where I saw an extra and went, Oh, no. Oh, does she no. live, or does she get replaced by another woman for, with no explanation <laughs> for the rest of the episode? Wait, is she... I'm not, I'm honestly not sure. I'm not sure that redhead in the first scene on the planet is key. Is wait, is that a different, they got two redheads on this mission? <sighs> Maybe. Damn, Let me man. do a little memory alpha while you right. get into well, that. Well, anyway. Meanwhile, we see Kira's hot morning routine. She shares a lift with a bunch of Jem'Hadar, relieves Damar in ops, thanks a guy named Mavic. And that's it. Just a little snippet. We go right back to the planet. The Vorta says he wants to live, so they gotta get off this planet. But uh, they think it's gonna take at least ten days, probably more. Uh, they do the the Ketracel White ceremony. Back at Camp Cisco, everyone's drying out their clothes. Dax is doing slightly better, but is still bedridden. Uh, Nog and Garrick are out, like, scouting around. And uh, Nog is still wary of Garrick because of, you know, the Nor. They're looking for, like, water and food and stuff, but they get nabbed by those Jem'Hadar on that planet. The Vorta interrogates them, and he doesn't believe anything that Garrick's saying. Um, but he does want to know if Camp Sisko has a doctor. And he's going to let Garrick and Nog live until he gets that fucking doctor. Mm. On Terraknor, Jake is still playing journalist. He wants to know why the Founders are sending facilitators down to Bajor. Sounds like the Dominion's sending 400 advisors to help with uh, high-tech and shit. Yeah. And then Jake says there's going to be a demonstration tomorrow, and Kira and Odo start planning to shut that shit down. They end the interview with Jake when he accuses them of abolishing the right to protest on the promenade. <clears throat> At Camp Cisco, uh, people start noticing that Garrick and Nog haven't checked in, and, and they go looking for them. And they find some Jem'Hadar. And a big shooty starts. The Jem'Hadar third demotes the guy who started firing. And then he orders them to shroud, but they all tell him we can't do that no more. Uh, by shroud, I mean turn invisible. That's what the Jem'Hadar can do. Right. Um, so they head back uh, to the Vorta camp, the old, or to the Vorta the old-fashioned way, and that guy demands to punish the one who violated the orders, but the third uh, won't give him up. Some important stuff. On Tinor, Kira defends the Vorta facilitators to an angry Vedic who uh, wants to fight the Jem'Hadar. I guess because she's mad the Cardis are around. And who's, she's also like vaguely European. 
Yes, some she kind could of be accent. anywhere between like French and Polish somewhere. Yep. Yeah, somewhere from cent- Central Europe, let's call it. And um, even though things have been basically peaceful, that like all the Cardis around just have her hella PO'd. Uh, she says tomorrow, fucking, maybe she and Kira will both understand what's up. I don't know what that means. Oh, I thought it was very clear, but, uh... Well, I knew it was I going to I, happen. Because I probably have seen this one before in the 90s. <laughs> I knew it was going to happen, but I was that was a weird thing to say. We'll both understand tomorrow. Yeah. She's going to understand because she's going to be with the prophets. And Kira so. will understand because she's about to be very shocked. I guess so. Uh, the third comes to Camp Cisco to try to get the doctor's services. Uh, he wants to trade Nog and Garrick for a conversation with Cisco and Bashir. And Cisco tries to get into the third's head and, like, turn him against the Vorta. I guess he doesn't know what's happening here. Like, the Vorta is his key to getting out of this planet, but... Anyway. With the third's assurances, he and Bashir will be free after the meeting. They make the exchange. Back on Tinor again. Kira and Odo are chilling on the promenade, talking about how they'd really regret having to bust some fucking crinkle noses out here today. <laughs> and Vedic whatever says, uh, evil must be opposed, and fucking hangs herself in front of everybody on the promenade. Slow motion. Yeah. No she one the slow-mo button. No one in this very high-tech medical world makes any attempt to intervene. Nope. <laughs> she pushes the slow-mo button like my son on the camera every time. <laughs> Uh, Kira is, uh, I wrote here, Kira is stunned in slow motion. Um, Bashir finishes surgery on the Vorta, who orders all the Jem'Hadar out of the room. He says, uh, he'll betray all the Jem'Hadar and give up the comm system that he's got and all, and he'll surrender as a prisoner of war, all that shit. Because he doesn't have enough white, and, uh, they're all going to have a really big problem with these Jem'Hadar. So, this is his best way out of this situation. So he gives up their positions, like how they're going to attack Camp Cisco the next day and all this stuff, and it's up to Cisco to blast them. Cisco's leadership style says, let the gang grumble about it for a while, about how unfair it all is, and how it's not cool to just shoot dudes who uh, don't know that they've been betrayed or whatever. And then he shouts that the decision is his and his alone, and he'll fucking put anyone who disagrees through, and he gets up, and he puts his hand to his ear and walks around the room before suddenly shouting, A TABLE! <laughs> like, tongue sticking out, crazed. He means it. On Teraknor. Kira says she's a collaborator now, and the old her would have pranked her so hard. Fish in the replicator, all that stuff. So now she's ready to start the new resistance with Odo. Cisco's team uh, ambushes the Jem'Hadar just out in the open in California. And Cisco chats with the third, who says, No shit, we were set up, but we fight to the death anyway. So the Jem'Hadar die also in slow motion. Like that Vedic. Mao would have loved this shit. <laughs> because of the parallels? Yep. <laughs> Mind-boggling. Mao is a commentator on uh, Three Kingdoms. They're yeah, I'm not talking about Chairman. A father and son literary duo in, uh, I don't know, 15th century China? <laughs> yeah, a long time ago. <laughs> uh, Cisco has the redhead who fucking survived form a burial detail, and I would guess it was for both the Starfleet and the Jem'Hadar bodies. Yeah, I assume he buried the Jem'Hadars too. Chakotay probably would have told him not to touch them, but anyway. End of this episode. What was it about, though? Yeah. 
Um, well, the two plots of the episode have different themes. Mm-hmm. I couldn't find a way to tie them together. The Cisco plot is fundamentally about how the people who die in war are not the ones who benefit from it. It's told pretty obliquely. Uh, Keevan betrays the Jem'Hadar, certainly. But at the end of the day, war is an enterprise where certain men can order certain other men to die. Yeah. And ultimately, those other men carry out those orders for the same reason that Ramadaklan does here. Because they're, they've bought into the system that sent them there. And they don't have the individual power to oppose it. Yeah, the Jem'Hadar never had, like, a fortunate son or anything. No. <laughs> they just never got it. They weren't allowed. And Cisco doesn't have his Walkman, so he couldn't be like, hey, come listen to this. <laughs> listen to this, you and you'll finally you get this. it. And those first um, fucking guitar stings come in, and then the, just a look comes over his face, and he's like, fuck this, then. Oh, I, I see what you've been trying to tell I'm me. not doing this. We're going. We're getting out of here, man. He's right, though. It ain't me. <laughs> uh, but this episode doesn't tell us much about how to think about that idea or what to do about it, other than, you know, war is hell. Yep. Yes, indeed. So it's not worth a ton of points. And Kira's story about how keeping the peace sort of turn can turn into collaboration is more interesting, but it's a hundred percent an afterthought. So it is the B plot for sure. Uh I'm a four on take this week. I agreed. It's a four. Uh the big take, war is hell. But really this episode is about uh, the ambiguities that exist in war, like it isn't always black and white. Good guys and bad guys are kind of intermingled. Nobody's a monolith, etc., etc. Heroes so on I both had, sides. Yes. So I had good and evil or ambiguous concepts in times of war. It's kind of the opposite of the TNG. Ideals are for every situation, even and especially the non-ideal ones. Right. Um, but it's true. War sucks and you have to do shitty things or you die. Um, uh, nobody disagrees with this except the naive Starfleet officers in this episode. So Right gave that a four the people who are like it's not nice to carry out this ambush we shouldn't kill these guys uh who are coming they've been ordered to come kill us we shouldn't shoot them because it's not sporting yep they're like the british spies that you always hear about who were who are bad at their spy work because they didn't think it was cool they think it was sporting <laughs> um execution uh, we see our good guys in quotes massacre a bunch of exposed jem hadar and um we also see them on the station threaten to bust up demonstrations against a cardi occupation. We see our bad guys stick to their own ideals and get butchered for it. So, like, we get it. It's, uh, it's gray, you know? But it's not all gray. The good guys do all feel bad at the end. Right. And there's still that evil Vorta, so... Anyway, we all get it. Um... I actually thought it was another effective episode, but with plenty of cheese as well. The banter with wounded tax is super tired. The darkness of the near aughts feels super forced. The constant slow motion in key scenes is kind of a tough look. And there are definitely some plot conveniences. The Jem'Hadar crashed on the same damn planet as our crew. And that planet was like inside a nebula. And also it's California, but... And also they crashed right next to each other. They crashed so close to each other that they run into each other, like, day one. But generally it hits all the notes. There's some uh, continued insight into the Jem'Hadar-Vorta relationships. You see Kira already becoming the shitty neutral asshole she used to despise. Some guest actors eat it. So there's some good stuff in there. I gave it a six. 
Yeah, I liked it even better. Um, I gave it an eight. Wow, that's pretty good execution for a Star Treks. Yeah, I thought it was a pretty strong episode. Um, they couldn't use Dax because Terry Farrell has a skin condition and can't be out in direct sunlight, and it was 128 degrees in that quarry. Jesus, where did they go? Death Valley? What the fuck's happening? Well, I think quarries are a bad place to be, but yeah, it was in some shitty desert part, you know, outside of L.A. Okay. <clears throat> um, and the only reason that it's that I mentioned that they can't use Dax is because I feel like it's a stronger episode without Gordon and Keeley, which is now I realize is Neely. I've looked okay. that up. <laughs> I and didn't mention Gordon, but he somehow I'll <laughs> fucking talk about it. He dies. When you he said that Cisco him. has a burial detail, he dies. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, I'll just see what I uh, quick hitters. Yo, how did that guy blow it up on the ridge? Hey buddy, you died like a fucking clown. That shit's embarrassing. He did. They had the absolute drop on those guys. Uh every single member of Cisco's little team misses with their first phaser rifle shot. (laughs) They show like eight shots hit the ground in front of the Gemadar. It's it's very bad. A phaser should not like it's not shooting downhill is not the easiest thing. Okay. But um it, for with a phaser, it shouldn't be any different. I don't think. Yeah. Anyway, uh, here's what they say about Neely. Neely was played by guest actress Sarah McDonald. She first appeared on the surface of the planet. Previously, an unknown actress appeared in this episode and the previous one aboard the ship. Oh. So we don't know what happened to that actress. I guess she beefed it in the crash. And Honestly, Neely appeared I didn't for even... the first time down on the planet. Yeah, that's yeah. I once I saw her on the planet, I was like, she's doomed for good. I don't even remember her on the ship. Uh, so I think it's a stronger episode without these two because we've never seen them before. Uh-huh. And that means that uh, Gordon's death is not powerful at all because it's entirely telegraphed. We know no, what I it mean, means when there's a new crew member. It's so unimportant that you don't even show him dying, do they? Don't they just see his nope. body afterwards? Yeah, they just find him dead. And yeah, this year... just, he's an extra from combat, man. It don't matter. Yeah, it's extremely bad. Um, we've seen this Jem'Hadar portrayal before. They have no personal interest in the war other than to conduct themselves well. So they make these tragic but honorable characters that you can mm-hmm. put Cisco up against so that he can make his, um, the whole thing is a damn shame faces when they die. Yep. <laughs> um, Which he does and, um, well. He does it pretty well, actually. He does. <laughs> he does. It's a strength of his. Yeah. And um, although it's kind of like a cinema 101 introduction to movie making the repeated shot of cure going up to ops after the vedic's death is very effective right it's almost exactly the same scene and she plays it almost exactly the same way but you know she's feeling different about it right so that's pretty well done and i thought even the touch of her thanking mavek for the rectagino in the very first scene was a pretty effective way of saying kira is settling into this and she's Yep. She's gotten used to the idea of these Cardassians on the station, and she knows this guy is Mavek, and she doesn't hate him, right? Yep. Like he brings her the coffee or whatever, and she's and she likes that, and yeah. so she does not hate this Cardi, even though she was trained her whole life to hate them, and they have taken over the station. But things are so normal there for her now. Exactly. So I thought this was a pretty solid effort. Once you get past the Class M planet hidden in a dark matter nebula, <laughs> exactly where the ship was engaged in a firefight. <laughs> Very silly. I mean, arguably in the same star system that where they just blew up that Ketracel White Depot. I mean, I don't think they had the warp drives, so yeah. I don't think they made it too far. So they said these guys set up shop on a weird asteroid in a planet with a crazy dark, unexplored dark matter nebula in it. <laughs> yep. Maybe they were like, "Listen, if Starfleet fucking comes by, they're gonna go into that nebula." You it's, know, they, they can't, can't not resist, resist a nebula. That's yeah. right. 
If we have actually got we have so uh, many the ships Klingons in come by, they might just go whatever. But like Starfleet, <laughs> definitely, we should keep some ships in that nebula in case Starfleet tries to explore it. So I've been surprised by these uh, this these Dominion War yeah, episodes I'm, so far. I was thinking earlier today about this, and I knew I would probably have to say this: enjoy it while it lasts. Pretty soon, Cisco becomes an angel or whatever. No, I get it. I know there's an episode coming up called Sacrifice of Angels. Cisco yep. becomes like a one, literal angel and they fight a literal devil or whatever. It just like season seven gets very rough in a way that Ron Moore uh, makes everything rough, you know? <laughs> so. I, but I just assumed I would already be hating this. Oh, yeah. No, no. So I, far, I, I don't. Yes. And that's why I was thinking about it earlier. I was like, hey, you know, so far it's not bad. And then I thought, oh, it's because it isn't all supernatural. This is just war yeah. as hell. Pretty soon it's going to get supernatural. And then we're going to be like, ah, oh, fuck. Oh, no. But anyway. Uh, world building. We have Dark Matter, Nebulae. We have a lot more internal Jem'Hadar politics. Yep. Um, we know. We learn a little bit more about what happens when these guys run out of Ketracel White. Like, I think we knew they died previously, right? That guy was killing all his men because he had become... Yeah. He had broken He's his like, It is my duty. Now I have to hunt them down. Like, yep. seven of nine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, for the facilitators, Bajoran protests, start of a new resistance, maybe. Jake is still very ineffective. I gave it a four for world building. Okay. Yeah, I had, uh, without the white, the Geminar get cracked out and nervous. They also can't shroud for some reason? Yeah, well, I mean, it's the, they don't eat or drink. It's their only power source. So if the shrouding is part of their, na- is a natural camouflage that they have. That's what I was going to say. I had thought it was tech, but maybe it is, maybe it does take a lot of their actual physical fucking energy to There shroud. is something about it where in this episode, O'Brien asks Cisco, why haven't they camouflaged themselves? Yeah. Where it seems like Starfleet knows that this is like a natural camouflage process and not a cloaking device. Okay. All right. So, well, I don't know. I wasn't sure, but um, that is some new information. Uh, a continuation of the uneasy Vorta-Gemadar relationship we've seen previously. Uh, the stuff about Vorta advisors going to Bajor to help them out with shit. Actually, all the station politics, protests, everything like that. Um, I gave it a three. All right. What about character work? Uh, O'Brien is a good Catholic boy, and he doesn't want Nog to say damn. Even though he just said it. Well, that was the joke. He had said damn over and over again, and then when Nog says it, he's, he says, tells him to watch his mouth. Uh, Cisco and Dax are old friends. I don't know if we knew that. <laughs> Cisco acts tough, but like his crew, he's not a fan of just mowing the Jem'Hadar down at the end. Uh, Nog is still messed up about what Garrick did to him on Empok Nor. Kira comes to grips with the realization that she's helping the Dominion by staying like out of the way and just doing her job or whatever but a lady had to beef it for her uh, yeah beef it in front of her for her to get it she needed a pretty big demonstration yeah she's the slow thinker this week not realizing all the shit she's been saying about busting up protests and defending the dominion sounds high key bad yeah odo uh is also sad uh, seriously not just because kira was he's got his own thing just ask him Odo was such an afterthought in this episode. In the end, he's like, I I am also, uh, I got stuff too. He reacts uh, at a certain point as if Kira is not talking about herself, but is accusing him of collaboration. <laughs> yep. When it's clear that she hadn't thought about him at all. She hadn't thought about him once in this. Nah, she's not on that level with him yet. 
Sorry, buddy. It's never going to be like it was in that cave, which you realized in that cave. Yeah, you, you know? knew it. You knew it then. Yeah, don't don't forget. Um, I gave it a five. I'm a little less on it because I don't think there's much new. Okay. Uh, I did like seeing Nog wary of Garrick here. Like, it's a trauma that he suffered. Yeah, I mean, and it was they traumatic. They, made it, a, it. they right. made it a horror episode. Um, O'Brien interjects a little levity into the situation with his ripped pants, but like, he's the guy who uh, does not do that. Instead, he complains about his wife on the bridge. And it's not <laughs> because he thinks it's funny to complain about his wife. It's because he's no. mad about his wife. Yeah, he's not trying to lighten the mood at all. Yeah. He's just fucking pissed. Uh, Kirik sees the other side of the occupation for a moment. Like, it was fine, but the main character stuff in this is Cisco, and it's the same stuff it has been every time he's met the Jem'Hadar and the Vorta so far. What I love is Cisco just being like, I don't have a specific plan. I guess I'm just going to try to turn him against the Vorta. Yeah. Well, I don't really know what it's going to get me, but I'm going to do my best on that plan. That is definitely what his his effort is here. When in reality, the Vorta's like, I got the solution for you, buddy. It's like... <laughs> It was the exact opposite situation. If he had managed to get those guys to off the Vorta, he would have been fucked because he was stuck with a bunch of Jem'Hadar on that planet. Um, yeah, so just a three for me, and at the end of the day, we had the same top score, but um, I have some quick hitters, I guess. Okay. Uh, there's no previously on Deep Space Nine. No, we, we jumped into the right log. into it. Yeah. yeah. Um... Kira apparently sleeps in her earring. Hmm. You'd think she'd take that off, right? Uh, Yeah, but at least it's not a full Geordie. Oh, yeah. You know, people sleep in the full Geordie sometimes. It's not a full Geordie, and she doesn't have Beverly Crusher-style children's pajamas. <laughs> it co- complete <laughs> with a bow. bow in her hair. <laughs> you know, as you come home from a hard like, shift uh, at Carl's Jr., and you just go to you just go lay on top of your covers in your Carl's Jr. shirt and name tag, and then you put your visor down over there next to you where you can easily reach it. I'm talking about the hat kind this time. Yes, it is and a hat. It's the hat kind of visor. You wake up from a dream and you reach over and you grab it and you just walk right out again, like that. Yeah, that's called the full Jordy. Man, that's exactly where he would work, huh, Carl's Jr. <laughs> My life is so fucking. Um, uh, divorced from the uh, the real blue collar people of the world. The only ones I could think of were the people who work at uh, fast food places late into the night. Yeah, but you couldn't. You don't even have Carl's Jr. there, so this is you're even pulling from a memory from the past. Oh yeah, no, I, I don't get to go. I don't go to fast food places no more. So <laughs> this is definitely from uh, many years ago. Um, the Vorta get their contact lenses from the same guys who make them for K-pop acts, huh? Oh, for sure. You see Keevan's eyes? All the Vortas have got crazy blue eyes or whatever. Rest in peace, Astro's Moonbin. Yes, that's right. R.I.P., R.I.P., R.I.P. I don't know that he wore blue contacts Your like that. Your smile before. was affecting. <laughs> I, I hear. Um, That cave that they posted up in, it smells like O'Brien's socks forever now, right? Oh yeah, they just put all their cave. wet clothes on hot rocks to dry out. You can't ever go in there again. Nah, 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 nah. Noxious gas in there now. 
I was morally certain that Nog and Garrick would never mention what happened on Empok Nor. So I was very surprised in a pleasant way when that scene happened. Yeah, they really did embrace the continuity of things. Odo's just not good at his job. Like, nobody saw that Vedic tie that rope? Seriously, did everyone else on the promenade, they were, like, in it with her? And they all, like, shielded her while she was doing that? No, man, all the background actors were saying stuff like, look, what's she doing? (laughs) I did see some subtitles. (laughs) Um... (laughs) Also, Odo could have just, like, fucking shape-shifted right up and grabbed her before she fell if he wasn't just standing there with his mouth open catching flies. Yeah, exactly. Whatever happened to form of bat, and then he fucking flies uh-huh. over there. Yeah, fucking bullshit. Or he could have just become a fucking scissor lift right under her. <laughs> that would have been great. <laughs> a little Odo face popping out of that scissor lift would have been outstanding. Well, they don't spend money on that no more. No, he doesn't do that anymore. What is the point, Matthew, of that huge case that the Vorta carry Ketracel white around in if it can't protect vials better than that? Yeah. Just get some fucking open cell foam in there or something, man. Like, just get a Pelican case. Yeah. Like, I know that ship crashed, but the case itself was undamaged, so... I feel like a, a, a classroom project... Oh you'd yeah, be able, you'd be able to get a better protector. Oh yeah, the Vorta. By the way, Vorta Elementary School students should be doing how to mm-hmm. protect Ketracel white vials from a long yeah, drop. That's a, definitely what they use instead of eggs. And, yeah, uh, they just need to start adapting some of that easy, low tech stuff. It's just like, I guess, is the rest of the case just thick metal so that Jem'Hadar can't break into it? Is it just a fucking <laughs> safe? <laughs> Maybe. I give best actor to Kira and worst actor to any Jem'Hadar below the rank of third. It's true they don't uh, they don't cast anyone who can read unless like, they're the main Jem'Hadar. Ramadaclon did a great job. Everyone else, not so much. Yeah, they all just got to stand there and look like golden retriever puppies. Yeah, I know that third Ramadaclon actor. He's been in everything: Star Trek's and Babylon Fives and all them shits. Oh yeah, that's uh, Phil Morris. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, the guy who was on the on the. Rebel ship in uh, Babylon 5 who wants to uh, take the gloves off the firing team or whatever. Yeah, he is. Anyway. Uh, That was actually one of my two quick hitters, and the other one was that guy embarrassed himself up on that ridge and died. So, anyway. (laughs) I mean, he really did. I mean, come on, He should not at any point have been exposed to fire. When that guy started his black adder charge at them, it should have been (laughs) fucking over. (laughs) That was bad. Bad look for that guy. No words spoken for him at his funeral, for sure. Uh, yeah, that was it for me. Well. How did are we do? Did we do well? I mean, we got through it. We got through it in about two and a half hours. Pretty good. Out of 80, how did we do? Oh, 37. Oh, right. So enough to win the week. <laughs> enough to win the week, yeah. Good. Uh, yeah, so last place this week with 25 points. Fan <laughs> favorite, the inner light. <laughs> I couldn't help it. And if there I had was, scored it like you, it could have been a 16. I There was so many glaring problems with the episode. I couldn't even focus on... You're right. It probably was a decent in, uh, television watching experience, but I didn't understand what the fuck was going on. <laughs> I guess you just, this one was just one where you had to eat too much shit. Yeah, too much shit for me to eat this week. Um, Do, how, do you think next week will be better or worse? It is Time's Arrow. I mean, my expectations are extremely low. Yeah, for they in, should for be. 
enjoyment purposes, but for writing notes purposes, I expect seven or eight pages worth. Oh, it I mean, should for be sure. buck wild. Uh, I mean, data has to confront his own mortality. Uh, second place this week uh, with 26 points, Voyager Riddles. Yeah, wasn't good. Next week, I get to discuss the episode Dragon's Teeth, which I think features the Vaudoir. Oh, all right. It's just based on the fact that all of the Vaudoir episodes in STO are named Dragon's X. You know? Ah, that's your little spoiler there. Yeah. Yeah, I don't remember what this episode is, but uh, I'm glad I guess you're... Seven's going to wake him up, and that's going to be a mistake. I'm glad you are the one who is uh, yep. who's writing it up. That one is on me. Winner this week was Deep Space Nine. That's their 44th win. It's getting closer. They're only six behind TNG now. Mm-hmm. Um, and next week we will be discussing Sons and Daughters. Probably something about how many uh, damn people are dying in this dang old war. The space war, man. It's, it continues. Those are the episodes you should watch if you're going to play along. Hey, hold on a second. Yeah. They're going to use that communicator on that planet, right? Yeah. And they're going to send out a signal for Starfleet to come pick them up. Yeah. Aren't we deep in Dominion space? Yeah. Uh, Worf's going to rescue him on the Rotaran. It was supposed to be the last scene of this episode, but they cut it. Ah. Okay. Well, they're just going to start out next week rescued. Yeah, that's what I figured. But I was, what I was trying to figure out was in the interim, how did they get rescued? Cold it seems seems like a dangerous mission, but okay. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> Good to know. Sorry, I interrupted. I was. No, that's it. I mean, those are the episodes to watch when we discuss week 125. All right. Well, uh, I guess for the time being, we ain't read a single toot. So (laughs) keep tweeting, I guess. That's at Brother Date on the Twitter machine. Against all odds, still functioning enough to do this. Um, You can send us email. No one's done that in a grip. Brothers at BrotherDate.com. Go to BrotherDate.com. Check out all the stuff. And uh, and then, yeah, we'll be back in a couple of weeks with another one of these motherfuckers. Uh, as you believe, so shall you do, so shall you do. As you, as believe, you believe, so, so shall, shall you do. Hey, Grog, the egg was a metaphor. <laughs> it's not a real egg. It wasn't an egg. She's supposed to be like, uh, I don't know, being born again or something into a, into uh. a marriage. I, get, I don't know. Uh. I don't know. Hey, Grog. 